Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com. We are professional grade. Stuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And this week, we're heading to Calico Drive for Stepsisters. Indeed, but maybe maybe not to the house you might expect on Calico Drive. <laughs> no, there's some newcomers uh, in, the, in the drive. Do they have a Spanish tiled kitchen? Who knows? <laughs> they will if Alice gets her hands on it. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Well, um, yeah, we're as we said last week, this is the, the second last book in the original you know, the original one, the, the, the classic era, if you will. Mm. So after after the next one, there's just going to be like, they're all miniseries. So, True. Which is yeah. kind of mad. This it is. And mad in, in every sense of the word, because <laughs> all bets are off, lads. Once we get into book 95, it's going to go bananas. <laughs> oh, my God. Werewolves and vampires and serial killers. Oh, my. My. <laughs> <laughs> Well, while we're still in the semi-normal world of hmm. Sweet Valley, uh, can you describe, oh, we'll get started with some taglines and blurbs. I'm getting uh, all knocked off course by this, this <laughs> end of an era. Uh, can you give us the cover tagline, please? I can. And it's family at last. Oh, well, nice. hopefully. I mean, I guess in the end. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, the quest, the, the back cover tagline is a question Will Cheryl fit in at Sweet Valley High? I mean, God help her. That's all Oof. I can say. Would you God, want I mean, to? I mean, no. they, they kind of suck. <laughs> really do. I mean, they're at their worst in this. Um, can you give us the full blurb, please? I sure can. So, Jessica and Elizabeth Wakefield, because it has to be about them. Uh, <laughs> have a new neighbour, their friend and sorority sister, Annie Whitman. Annie's mother is getting married to a famous African-American photographer from New York City, and the new family is moving in next door. New Annie York! New York, <laughs> <New yoink>, the <laughs> Big Apple! <laughs> it's a different in every sense. <laughs> So many senses, my goodness. Um, (laughs) Annie can't wait to introduce her stepsister-to-be to to all her Sweet Valley High friends. She tries her best to make Cheryl feel at home in Sweet Valley, but Cheryl, used to the excitement of New York, doesn't seem interested in fading into the crowd. Annie is hurt and thinks Cheryl is a snob. Can two such different people ever become sisters? That's not really very accurate. Like, it's not like Cheryl thinks, oh, this isn't exciting enough for me. She's more like she feels you know isolated and True. is missing her old life it's not like hmm. she's a sort of you know i need constant galleries and you know yeah i'm like better than the, everybody else here like that's not really yeah. the attitude at all 
And Annie doesn't think she's a snob. Annie is no. worried that Cheryl thinks she's a massive racist. Mm. Like that's <laughs> what the the conflict is about. That's the main uh, conflict for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I mean, again, a heads up. This is a book uh, in which Sweet Valley tackles race now, and there is a there's a reference to the incidents of um, friend against friend, and mm. there isn't uh, the same, you know. I mean, there's microaggressions aplenty, but there there isn't the same level of um, of of racist abuse as there was in the uh, in friend against friend. It's really more about a clueless, well-meaning white girl. Yeah, it's that thing where it's like the intentions are good, but people are still uncomfortable and it's still not handled very well type of thing is more the the kind of gist of this one, I feel like. But yeah, that's kind of if you don't want to uh, listen to a discussion by two clueless, well-meaning white girls, basically. (laughs) The whitest of white girls is absolutely understandable if you want to just give this one a miss. We totally get that. But uh, yes, we uh, um, we will we will hopefully, unlike Annie, not make it all about us. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, Annie. <laughs> God love her. You'd think she'd know better after her experiences with, and she knows how that Sweet Valley. I mean, I don't know how Annie tolerates anybody in the school after the way they treated her. But true. Yeah. <sighs> I guess she's drunk the Sweet Valley Kool Aid. Um, <laughs> but she is looking great on the cover now weirdly like my own mother maybe i am making it all about me but uh i don't know if that <laughs> hair is what i would i'd have gone for myself as a teenager in the early 90s but uh, can you describe the the general cover vibe yeah and do you know what you actually nailed it there because like it's annie and cheryl on the cover but you're absolutely right annie is giving mid-90s ma'am like that is yeah. Fully the haircut. Like my, I know my Auntie Mary had that exact haircut. Like my mother is called Mary. She's not, your aunt, Auntie. Yes. not my auntie, but still. <laughs> it's like everyone has an Auntie Mary. If it's not your mom, then it's one of your aunties is Mary. Oh, <laughs> if you're Irish, then yes. Yes, um, sorry, that's what I do Auntie Mary's like one on either side. Oh my god. <laughs> It's all to all Mary's lads. I mean, it really is. The stereotype is true. Um, yes so we've got Annie and Cheryl now they both look delighted there's no kind of conflict on the cover which is nice um because it is just the two of them kind of like it's like they're posing for a picture so they're both just smiling uh, at the viewer which is lovely and they look lovely Um, both of them they do they both look great although I will say this does look like a slightly different Annie to the one that we've previously seen on wrong kind of girl and she was Courtney Cox in the last exactly it was fully Courtney Cox previously and this again this is a different girl um Mm. but she still she still looks lovely even if she has a a a mammy haircut (laughs) uh which she definitely does like um but Mm. she you know she looks lovely she's wearing a nice stripy top we're big fans of a stripy top here Um, yes it's I think it's like just a short sleeved like yellow and white kind of Breton stripe which it's very good I'd wear it like that yeah Mm. fully uh and she's wearing little kind of tiny little kind of silver uh, hoop earrings which are nice too and then like Cheryl looks lovely as well she is also rocking the silver jewellery she has kind of bigger sort of hoop earrings lots of bracelets a nice big ring uh, and she's wearing a lovely it's either a top or a dress I'm not sure because I have a circle cover so it's kind of cutting off the um, the very end but yeah. um, it's kind of a, a blue uh, blue top with kind of white polka dots on it so like she looks really nice like lovely fresh cute again kind of 90s but like in a lovely mm. way so yeah, yeah they both look really well they do, and they both have lovely, uh, big smiles, and like they Ooh. do look genuinely very happy. Even though 
Annie could be Gerald's new stepmother. But, um, oh, but yeah, she could with that haircut for sure. <laughs> True blast from the past. Um, <laughs> Well, we begin in Sweet Valley High itself, where Jessica is in a full flow uh, at cheerleading practice. Because, of course, it has to start with a Wakefield. We need the Wakefield entry point or else we're just lost and running around the place and we've no idea what's going on. (laughs) So cheerleading practice ends and uh, Liz is waiting for uh, Jessica to get ready to give her a lift. So she starts chatting with Annie. And uh, of course, we just uh, have to throw in a twin comparison because even when they're not centre stage, we we have to be reminded of how different Mm -hmm. they are. And... (laughs) The twins both head off and Robin, who is now apparently Annie's best friend. I mean, I guess, well, she, she was she, her friend in wrong kind or the perfect girl. Yeah, she the two of them were pals. We, we, yeah. we reckoned they had bonded over Jessica being an absolute bitch to the pair of them in different times. So well, they, that's what, they that, clearly was, that was forgotten. our theory. <laughs> They've clearly forgotten a lot in this oh, yeah. book. Um, <laughs> So uh, Robin is debating a new haircut and Annie has an idea and uh, suggests she go to quite a high tech establishment. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Uh, apparently <laughs> there's a place in town called Sheer Pleasure. And that's Sheer, like S-H-E-A-R, which love a creative oh. name because God knows they're few and far between in this town. <laughs> I'm surprised it's not just called the haircut place. <laughs> That would be more in keeping with the Sweet Valley brand. But look, these guys are going out on their own. They're going rogue. They've got the technology to do whatever the hell they want. Oh, they have the technology. (laughs) Because it turns out they have a computer system that takes a picture of you and then shows you how you'd look with different hairstyles. (gasps) And uh, Robin thinks that sheer pleasure might be out of her price range. But apparently, because, you know, Annie's mom is a model, so surely Mm. she's going to, you know, a fancy salon. But uh, (laughs) apparently, you know, we're... Annie's Annie's mother is is very down to earth and we're reminded that she's basically she does catalogues and ads so Mm. she's not a supermodel she's probably doing an ad for like uh, you know washing up liquid or something like she's yeah standing next to a fridge that kind of yeah yeah but not she's not a high fashion model but Mm. she does know a lot of famous models and photographers hmm, through her modeling agency and uh apparently we i mean we remember this from the last book but annie's mother has been working on a campaign in new york so she has to keep going over there and annie's home alone a lot and her um uh she robin asks her you know is her mom seeing anybody so apparently she broke up with her friend her boyfriend johnny who i think was the tv studio guy wasn't he remember there was that book with the didn't somebody have a somebody's mother had a boyfriend who was working in a TV station? Oh God, was that no? That wasn't Amy's mother, was it? Because she oh no, she already works. In no, the Amy's TV. parents God, are remember. together. You're right. Yeah. Well, maybe it was Mrs. Or no, was it Enid's mum was seeing the guy oh, that worked for the TV station? You're that was right. back in Hard Choices when they were making the documentary and he was letting them use the editing. That's uh, true. It yeah, was yeah. hard choices. You're right. So uh, yeah, Johnny, whoever he is. Um, <laughs> so the girls head to the parking lot uh, and Robin points out Tony who's there. So um, we were told in the last book they'd broken up for a while, but Caroline Pierce recently casually mentioned that Tony has stopped seeing the girl he cheated on Annie uh, mm. with and he wants to get back together with Annie and he has been leaving messages but she's not uh, she's not picking up um, but Robin thinks she should give him a chance yeah um, I'm not sure why uh, yeah everybody, me neither 
Everybody seems really keen to get Annie back with a guy who cheated on her. And I'm just like, yeah, why you guys? I mean, <laughs> sure, you like him as a friend. That's fine. But like if it was my friend and she had been cheated on by a guy who then wanted her back, oh. I'd be like, you know what? Fuck that guy. He had you and he didn't appreciate you and he's no good and he won't change. Like it's- I'd be having absolutely none of that. I'd be like, forget that fucking guy. Let's go out to the fucking shady lady. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not the shady lady. But you know, like I wouldn't be encouraging her to get back with someone someone who cheated on her and like and had such a lame excuse as well for it. Because it wasn't it something like, oh, I thought you wouldn't mind, or some bullshit like that. It was like, I thought you wouldn't mind, which like, is I thought you knew and yeah, like, you wouldn't mind. Mm. Yeah, like it was very bad form from Tony there, and I, I don't understand why all of Annie's supposed friends are so mad for her to get back with Tony. Because yeah, if it was my friend, I'd be like, no, don't do it. Forget that guy. <laughs> <laughs> or I certainly wouldn't be encouraging her to get back with them anyway. God, you know? yeah. Which Robin keeps doing throughout this mm. book. Yeah, they don't get it. So later in the, the Whitman apartment, uh, Annie is happy that her, her mom has arrived home. And um, when she asks her how her trip was, she could tell that, that there's something up because Mrs. Whitman looks really happy. And um, she looks like the she's got the world's greatest secret, apparently. So <laughs> Annie asks her, you know, what's up? And Mrs. Whitman asks if she remembers her talking about Walter Thomas, because uh, uh, he's a photographer. And it turns out he's Mrs. Whitman's new beau. Yeah. Uh, and like, again, it's like at this stage, it's like, oh, OK, lovely. And Annie's really happy for her mother. She's delighted. She's like, it's it's about time you started going out with a nice guy. And Mrs. Whitman's really relieved. She's like, oh, you know, I'm so glad you think that he's really wonderful. And he's a great photographer. Uh, and apparently Annie has seen some of his work um, from some portrait series that he did. But um, but yeah, Annie is very happy for her mother. Uh, yeah. And uh, she's like, oh, you know, this is brilliant. Do you think it's going to be serious? Should I meet him? And then Mrs. Whitman <gasps> drops the fucking bombshell. <laughs> That's literally what my, my notes say. Annie is happy for her, but then Mrs. Whitman drops a bombshell. Like, literally. <laughs> it's insane. Like she's literally, she hasn't even mentioned she's seeing somebody. Mm-mm. And uh, now she's like, he asked me to marry him. And I said, yes. Like for fuck's sake, I don't know why these Sweet Valley parents are so mad for getting engaged without their kid <laughs> ever having met this person. Like, they don't even, they've never even seen them from a distance. And suddenly it's like, meet your new stepdad. And it's like, I'm sorry, what the fuck? Like, they're just doing this. <laughs> they do it all the time. And uh, and they all seem to think that they're doing the right thing. In this case, uh, Mrs. Whitman says, I know, I get, oh, sorry, I realised I should have said something. But things were moving so fast. I didn't want to tell you in case it didn't work out. I mean, how fucking fast did they work? And also, in case it didn't work out, if it's that fast, there's still time, Mrs. Whitman, for it not to work out. Like, I had summer college holiday romances that went on considerably longer than this relationship has gone. Oh, God. oh that's the thing, because she's only been seeing this guy for two months and now they're getting married yeah. and like, mo- like moving their families in together. And it's like, yeah. none of you have even met each other. What are you doing? I went out with someone in Boston on my J1 for longer than that. I did not get married to him. <laughs> I probably would have if you'd asked at the end. I was, I was very young and stupid. <laughs> but um, that was mostly because I didn't want to uh, to leave Boston. And uh, yeah, apparently Mrs. Whitman, who's older and wiser, could at least keep a long distance relationship going for a while. 
to see it works out. It's just like, no, it's getting, uh, we're getting married and he and his daughter are moving here. Like, this is just an insane thing to drop on your 16-year-old daughter. Like, in fairness. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're uh, they're going to get married in a month or so. So it's literally three months. What are you doing? And, uh, yeah, we thought it'd be a good idea for Walter and his daughter, Cheryl, to come out here before the wedding, you think? Yeah, Jesus, no shit. <laughs> You're going to so meet him for the first time at the wedding. <laughs> what? Um, so they'll have to find a house big enough for all of them. And uh, Cheryl's the same age as uh, Annie, more or less, uh, except she isn't. She's 16 because they say she's the oh, same Annie's age. Annie's a her... junior. Yeah. Or Annie's a sophomore. Sophomore, sorry. Yeah, yes. the others are juniors. They're juniors. Um, I still get confused. Um, yeah. It's very <laughs> yeah. confusing. Junior shouldn't be the second last year. But anyway. Um, oh, it's uh, misleading. It really is. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, uh, Mrs. Whitman is sure that things will work out famously. And she does realise that she's made an absolute balls of this. Like she actually yeah. says, I shouldn't have surprised you with news like this. No, you shouldn't. Um, <laughs> so she tells her how much she loves her and she wants them to have a loving family and she just hopes that, that Annie can come to terms with this. And Annie does say, look, I'm kind of in shock. Um, hmm. But, you know, if you love this guy, he must be special and I'm sure everything will be fine. Yeah. And um, so they, they have a touching moment and uh, yeah, uh, there's even more surprises. First of all, she finds out that Walter and Cheryl are coming here at the end of the week. We're uh, just like five days or something. Yeah. And <laughs> then no time. there's more news. She, uh, Mrs. Whitman pauses and says, Annie, there's one more thing I should tell you. So Annie is like, okay, here we go. They've got a nasty, smelly old attack cat or they like to get up at five in the morning and do calisthenics or both. But uh, Annie does not didn't see the real revelation coming. No, so it's at this point then that uh, Mrs. Whitman says Annie, like, and it's done so dramatically. It's kind of it's it's quite unnecessary. Like, yeah, because uh, yeah, the last line of that chapter is Annie. Mrs. Whitman said Walter and Cheryl are black, and it's kind of left like a cliffhanger or something. And it's like, yeah, come on, this is silly. <laughs> I mean. I mean, based on how incredibly shocked everybody in Sweet Valley is at this news, maybe it's like it's uh, it's 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 clearly they take this uh, as as a shocking revelation more than we would. But yeah. um, and in fairness, this is the one of the things the book I think does quite well because Annie does a lot of questioning. Like it would be very easy for this book to have gone down a we don't see color, mm. you know, absolute bollocks. But actually. Annie is surprised, but then she's like, but why am I surprised? Um, you know, why, sh- why should I be surprised by this? So mm. she actually sort of questions her own reactions, which I think is a pretty, you know, good thing to do. Because she's not like going, she's not, you know, she's not surprised in a bad way, in fairness to her. No. It just sort of makes her question her, um, her assumptions. Yeah, and kind of her own reaction to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and she, like, she is giving things a lot of thought. It's just it all happens in quite a cringe way, unfortunately. But like, oh, very much so. Yeah, she is. She is. She's doing her best. But again, that doesn't mean that she's not hurting people in the process. Unfortunately, indeed. So she does say, "Look, no, no, I am genuinely fine with this." Um, Hmm. And her mother points out that you know. 
like whatever we all feel about each about each other um this could affect how some people see us as a family and we do get a recap of a very sanitized recap of friend mm. against friend but it does you know mention the fact that there was violence in it and mrs whitman says there are going to be people who are going to react badly to the idea of an interracial family and we're all going to have to be prepared to deal with it um so uh later annie ponders all this this sort of whirlwind like literally Mm. it's gone from like she's just her whole life is going to change she's going to have a stepfather and a stepsister and they're going to move in the space of a week it it is a lot to take in to be fair (laughs) yeah um but then she uh she does again some self questioning and actually i think it's good that somebody's asking wow am i a racist as opposed to be like i couldn't possibly be racist i'm a good person like she's actually sort of questioning her own one you know sort of examining her own prejudices which Mm. is i think a more positive way to deal with it than brushing than going on the defensive immediately like yeah yeah so she thinks about all the people she's friendly with in school who um who aren't white, basically. And we're told she can honestly say she didn't think about their skin colours or ethnic backgrounds. I mean, it's getting a bit, I see no colour, but you know, I know what she means here. Yeah. Any more than she did about, say, uh, Jessica and Elizabeth's <laughs> English and Swedish background. Now, where's the Austrian Jewish granny now? Yeah, look, I wanted to know the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute shameless retconning that Zyger was, I swear to God. Oh my God. <laughs> They're like, she is there. Those twins are scarily waspy at this stage. <laughs> let's yeah. just let's just add something else to the English just, and Swedish mix. Something to break it up, my God. <laughs> so, and again, we're reminded, I mean, this is doesn't really mean anything. She went out with Tony, who mm. is uh, you know, obviously with his with his surname as from a um uh, a Latino background, mm-hmm. but she says she never thought of him as like Hispanic in inverted commas, um, which I guess that's a bit into the I see no color. It it does veer well. into there every so often. Yeah, that is true. Yes. Yeah, but and then she she gets distracted uh, by just thinking about him and how in the past she'd have told him straight away about her getting a new stepsister and a new stepfather, mm. and then the phone rings. And who could it be? Well, it's Tony, uh, <gasps> it turns out. Because I suppose she'd been kind of screening and dodging his calls up until this point. But because she was so, I guess, lost in thought, when the phone rings, she just kind of picks it up without thinking. So she kind of gets a bit of a shock, I think, when she realises it's him on the phone. And she's like, oh my God, did he read my thoughts? <laughs> um, so she's kind of trying to keep her voice very neutral when she's on the phone to him. And he's just kind of asking how she is. But she's just kind of like in her head, she's like, I'm really missing him. That's how I am. Mm. Like, I'll, I can't let him know that, though. Um, so Tony's just asking if she's been getting his messages. And she just lies and says the machine has mm. been on the blink and they're missing loads of messages. Um so yeah he's just kind of saying that he wants to talk to her but she's like I don't think we've anything to discuss and again she's really doing her best to kind of keep herself kind of distant and if anything cold on the phone even though she is yes she does she does miss him and she just doesn't want to admit it I suppose yeah Um, so Tony just kind of says that like he really misses her and and messing up their relationship was the biggest mistake he ever made that he wants Mm. to get back together um but Annie just kind of she just has so much on her mind I suppose at the minute Mm. she just kind of tells him look I can't deal with this but she also just doesn't know if she can trust him uh, to actually go back to him which is also very fair uh but she doesn't want to read it she doesn't want to talk to him really is the thing because she just there's a million things obviously going on right now with her and she almost kind of gives in because she just wants to tell somebody I suppose about this massive change that suddenly she's going to have a new stepdad a new stepsister they're 
coming at the end of the week. Like it's, <laughs> it is a lot. Uh, so Tony is just like, look, uh, if there's something wrong or whatever, like, you know, I'm here and I want to talk and uh, I'll be here for you. But she does eventually tell him that her mother is getting remarried and that she she'll does. be getting a stepsister. So he's very yeah. happy for her about that, I think. Yeah. But she, she, he said, she says that like, she needs time because she's got hmm. a lot going on, including yeah. this brand new family that her mother's just yeah. brought in her. So he says, I've come to see things differently in the last couple of weeks, Annie. I mean, they move, they all move at a rate of knots in this town. Like <laughs> a couple of weeks is a long, is time to grow and change. He says, yeah, I feel a like I've <laughs> Well, he says, I feel like I've grown up a lot and I'm here for you. And the sincerity in his voice is almost too much for her, but um, she thanks him and mm. hangs up. So she goes out to her mom. She bursts into tears. Uh, and she, but her mom's like, do you want to talk about any of this? And she's like, no, no, I'm not ready just yet. <laughs> so she tries to do her homework, uh, but she can't concentrate on that, unsurprisingly. So she rings Robin. Find out Robin's very high tech because then he can hear the keys of Robin's laptop computer clicking. And I she was... waits for Annie to tell her why she'd called. I'm very surprised by that too. I think I went back and I was like, wait, did that say laptop? <laughs> yeah. Back and Robin's got a fucking laptop and like in what 1993 yeah 93 that's that's unusual I would say for a 16 year old to have a laptop to like do their homework on no get out of here absolutely not especially as we had the whole plot about like the only way she could go to college was if her rich artist auntie paid for her that's right yeah (laughs) I want her to go to Sarah Lawrence like on early admission or something so um (laughs) Yeah, well, anyway, she's got a laptop somehow. Uh, so she tells, Annie tells Robin all about Tony. And again, like, to- Robin's like, oh, well, you know, can you trust him? And maybe, uh, you you know, is is he, do you, do you think that he's messing with you? Like, is this all some sort of scheme to, like, get you back, but then cheat mm. you again? And she's like, no, no, that doesn't seem like him. So, and Annie admits that being this time apart has made her think or has made her realise she does want to be with him. And Robin says that, you know, even Elizabeth Wakefield has had breakups with Todd. (laughs) Yeah, she points out they've broken up and gotten back together more than once. And I'm glad someone is acknowledging it because everyone seems to act like Todd and Liz are this rock solid couple when like, we all know that that is absolutely not the case. So I feel like, yeah, Robin Robin is, is a good woman to kind of come in every so often with a bit of a reality check, which is nice. Very much uh, so, but um, because she's also saying like sometimes boys think they have to play the field um, and maybe Tony, Mm. Tony clearly doesn't want to, you know, I don't know why she's so sure of this, but Tony doesn't want to to (laughs) cheat uh, or to, you know, to Mm. date more than one girl. And also, but Annie says she actually likes being independent and Robin understands and says that having time away from George has helped her see herself more clearly. And we get a little recap of The Perfect Girl and we're told that since then, Robin is doing, uh, quote, extremely well, eating healthily and maintaining a good self-image. I mean, good well done in this town when they're all talking about calories at lunch in the cafeteria so true Uh, yeah so uh, i mean this doesn't go anywhere but robin confides that she and george have been talking on the phone a lot lately and the next time he comes home from college they might uh they might get together so then annie tells what finally tells robin the most important news her mom's getting married and Robin's hmm. really excited and is all like you know what's the guy like am I invited to the wedding and Annie's sort of 
catches some of Robin's excitement and tells her everything she knows about Walter Thomas and Cheryl and then realizes she hasn't mentioned that they're black um you know, they're already talking about the actual wedding. So then she goes back and says, hey, Robin, I forgot to tell you something. Walter's black. And Robin just says, no kidding. That's wild. People are going to have a hard time believing you when you tell them you and Cheryl are sisters and jokes that like, oh, you should dress alike. Um, You know, sort of jokes about it. Like you'd be the opposite of the twins. Yeah. And But she's clearly completely unfazed by it. Mm. Um, But uh, so after they pond, they hang up. Annie ponders what Cheryl might be thinking about this because like Cheryl's the one who's going to have to leave everything she knows that's true at least Annie is used to fucking Sweet Valley and all that entails but like poor Cheryl is literally being uprooted from like her school and her friends and everything she already knows to come to this ridiculous town in California <laughs> like all the way across the country so like from it's definitely going to be like the difference uh, is quite a stark difference so yeah like it's definitely as 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 much as it is for Annie to to take in and and kind of deal with like it's it's 10 times more for Cheryl really and I think Annie kind of starts to realize that yeah yeah except she and we're told she couldn't help wondering whether Cheryl was going to have a hard time in Sweet Valley because she was black and based on the recent history where there was literally Mm. a hate crime against one of your uh, schoolmates that is absolutely reasonable and she tries to think about whether any of her friends had ever said anything racist no they hadn't but even so she couldn't stop worrying they absolutely fucking have like we read Rosa's lie this is um, it. Like when it comes to the PBAs, like no, ugh, bad. They don't hide like it. That great. They right. don't like. Yeah. Well, Annie approaches her mom and says she's wondering if Cheryl will have any issues here, and um, then, and, and I guess this this makes sense. She said, "I even felt kind of awkward telling Robin about it. Like it was like I didn't know how to say it or even whether I should mention it." And she paused and looked at her mother and said, "Does thinking like that mean I'm racist?" Um, and her mother says, "Look, you know, basically there's there's lots of racism out there, and mm. people, you know, do discuss these issues a lot. But thinking about it is never bad." Um, and basically that's and talking about things openly is how people yeah. get less uncomfortable about this mm. yeah. which I guess is pretty wise I mean listeners uh, any any listeners who who have more personal experience of these issues than us do let us know what you think of this uh, of how they they deal with this because we're you know hardly the ones to comment but <laughs> it it does seem that they're like they're they're definitely not going for a like put their fingers in their ears and yeah I mean for 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 a Sweet Valley parent in particular it does seem like quite you know reasonable and measured advice so, yeah and of course the bar is literally underground when it comes to Sweet Valley parents but yes yeah. <laughs> it seems like she's doing okay to us anyway. <laughs> Well, we cut to the Casadel Wakefield where Jessica is selecting what a frankly awful sounding breakfast. It's half a cantaloupe and some yogurt. Oh yeah, and yogurt. Yeah. Oh, look, mm. I don't know. I feel like we simply can't <laughs> judge anymore because we were so horrified by those fucking seafood salad <gasps> croissant sandwiches. And then it turned out that was a real thing. So I'm just half afraid to talk about any of this mad food anymore because it'll turn out to be real and then I'll have to deal with that. So... <laughs> The less I know, the better. (laughs) Say that about so many things in Sweet Valley. (laughs) I 
mean, I guess a melon and some yogurt. It's not like particularly weird. Just that would not be enough for me for breakfast. I would need some carbs and some protein. Um, True. And I don't yeah. think Where's my tea? Where's my toast? Yes. <laughs> Um, well, Stephen, of course, is banging around the place uh, as usual these days, and he goes off to work at his old uh, his old yellow VW. And Jessica mocks his old banger, but Liz says it has fond memories uh, for him of uh, time spent with Kara. Apparently, he hasn't heard from her in a while. Yeah, they had been writing letters to each other, but apparently they've they've fallen off the kind of communication as as they... as much as it was. Yeah, it's 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 kind of quietened down a bit on that front, apparently. It has. And uh, Jessica tries to persuade Liz to come to the mall with her, but she's not into it. So Jessica changes into a quite spectacular outfit, which I'm sure you will describe at the end. Um, But then she notices that the sale, the for sale sign is being taken down from the the Beckwith house next door, which you might recall, we were told um, the Beckwiths have to move to Washington, D.C. She sees a car driving up, which she assumes are the people who've just bought the house extremely quickly for anyone who's ever bought a house they seem to have bought this house in like 24 hours honestly that is the quickest fucking turnaround for a house sale like having gone through a house sale that is bananas quick like (laughs) so she wants to check out who the neighbours are she can't can't understand why Elizabeth's like "Eh, can we give them a moment to not like you know stick our heads in the minute they uh, set foot in the door but Jessica doesn't care she barges right into the house (laughs) Elizabeth sort of runs after more or less to stop her and uh, is waiting outside as uh, Jessica goes in and finds Annie yeah, she's kind of surprised. She's like, Annie, what are you doing here? I was looking for our new neighbours. At which point Annie then reveals that uh, we are your new neighbours. Uh, so she explains that her mom just bought the house in like the fastest house sale of all time. Um, but Jessica kind of points out it's quite a big place for just the two of them. But then Annie reveals that there'll be four of them actually in the house. So then she kind of has to backtrack and go, sorry, I shouldn't keep you guessing like this. So she uh, explains that her mother is getting remarried uh, and that her, her husband-to-be and his daughter Cheryl are all going to be moving into the house and they're all going to be their new neighbours together. Yes, and they're going to have the wedding there next month, which uh, thrills Jessica. We're told she loved Mm. weddings and she immediately began to picture the bridal party under a white tent surrounded by the lush green shrubs and brightly coloured blooms. And uh, says, tell me, Annie, do you think your mom needs a wedding consultant? (laughs) So I'm sure the model and the photographer will be fine, (laughs) Jessica. They probably have it covered, yeah. Yes. (laughs) So they find Liz and fill her in. And uh, Liz jokes that having a stepsister her age will almost be like having a twin and Annie's own smile suddenly fades um, and mm. uh, Liz is like oh, okay maybe this is you know maybe Annie's been overwhelmed by all of this mm. and uh, they sort of reassure her and say look I'm sure you know you'll settle in soon and Annie hopes so and she starts to say like see Cheryl Thomas and um, Jessica's like Thomas Cheryl Thomas because she somehow remembers the name of of the daughter of a photographer who she saw an interview with in uh, in <laughs> Style magazine um, because uh, she's like her father was Walter Thomas and um, he said Jessica says he's one of the greatest fashion photographers of all time and she remembers this article on uh, him and his daughter in their loft in New York City and Liz is, Liz can't remember this and Jessica's like no I showed it to you because I loved her bedroom remember she's the black girl with a room that was done in a really contemporary style and Liz is like oh yeah her so Jessica's really excited because apparently Cheryl is really cool and beautiful sophisticated 
educated, stylish. She's a, mm. you know, she's a piano student. Um, she's clearly, you know, a, a glamorous uh, girl about town. Yeah. And Liz has to, to head to meet Todd. So Annie shows Jessica around the house. And Jessica asks if she's chosen her bedroom, but Annie wants to wait until Cheryl's there, which is, uh, you know, pretty uh, thoughtful. And she shows Jessica a large L-shaped room and uh, Jessica loves it. It's peach. It is. It's painted peach uh, and it's, uh, yeah, it seems quite bright. And yeah, it's that it's kind of a funny shape, I guess. It's kind of the, I don't know, is that what she likes about it? Or yes, what? Or there's a window L-shaped. seat. Yeah. Oh, mm. the window seats does sound quite cool, actually. Yeah, that does sound nice. Uh, yeah. So she kind of, so Jessica's quite taken with that one. So Annie kind of shrugs and says, yeah, it's nice. And then shows her the other bedroom. So this other one has kind of flowery wallpaper. Uh, there's bright sunlight coming in the room, filtered through the leaves of a large tree just outside the window. So Jess kind of reckons that the closet is a bit smaller in this one. Um and it's kind of an ordinary square shape, but Jessica likes the other kind of unusual L-shape one better. And she thinks yes. that Annie would like that one too. And then reckons, uh, so Jessica reckons that Cheryl will pick this room, the one with the tree outside the window, because being from New York, she'd probably like that being outside her window and all the greenery. She reckons that's yeah. something you wouldn't get in a loft. Uh, and Annie I is mean, kind there's of plenty of trees in New York. I mean, look, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't have it out your window at a, in a loft, I guess. I guess in a but, loft, it's probably an old factory or something. Yeah. True. Exactly. Yeah, it's all much more industrial surroundings, I'm sure. But um, but yeah, Annie's kind of looking a little sadly out the window. Uh, so Jess kind of then realizes that she has to go anyway because I think she's meeting Sam later or she something. Is. So she needs a bit of time. But she uh, she's like, oh my God, just wait till I tell Sam that your mother's marrying Walter Thomas, the famous photographer. And Annie kind of goes, no. <laughs> Jessica's like, huh? So uh, Annie just kind of explains it away that like she wants to tell people herself that her mother's getting remarried uh, and she's like you know I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't tell anybody about it just yet and Annie's like or Jessica's like yeah yeah that's grand okay but I suppose Jess feels like Annie is a bit out of sorts or kind of a bit strange mm-hmm. about the whole thing in her opinion now, anyway. I have to say that one of Annie's dilemmas is she doesn't know if um it feels weird to say oh by the way they're black mm. um but also she she thinks like she doesn't want to look like she's hiding it. And to be honest, just telling, letting Jessica tell people that her dad is Walter Thomas is a perfect solution. They, they you much. know, be so famous, they'll know. Exactly. And like, and you she, know, that like Jessica being on the case, like she's as good as Caroline Pierce in terms of spreading oh, gossip. Like, so it would be completely taken care of for her if she just let Jessica run riot as she normally yeah. would. So uh, later at the castle, Jessica says that Annie seems a bit weird about the wedding and Todd Todd thinks it's totally normal, which it is. Yeah. And Jessica wonders if Annie has a, you know, how she feels about her new stepfather and stepsister being black. And Liz thinks like she does not seem like she'd be bothered by that. And it must just be about having a step family. Mm. And I guess with that, I mean, I found it a bit weird that Annie is so secretive about it. I mean, I guess it, it's all about how she's wondering if she's handling it properly. But I I think they're sort of adding a bit of extra awkwardness at this stage of proceedings that they don't really have to. Yeah, that's true. It's like she's overthinking things so much that she is going to fuck up, basically. Like she's so worried about messing up that she ends up messing up, really. Yes, which isn't, you know, which is pretty convincing, um, it has to be said. So uh, we cut to Monday and Annie enters the Dairy Burger to find the whole Pi Beta Alpha crew. Um, apparently, she's up to her eyes with wedding prep, but she's told the girls all about you know the wedding preparations. But she hasn't, mm. still hasn't mentioned that Walter and Cheryl are black. And um, 
yeah, she's she's really overthinking it. Um, and Suzanne, who is playing the racist bitch role in this book, mm. I think they they realize that they went too far with Lila in Rose's Lie, and they just can't. No, they can't down kind of on Lila being explicitly no. racist. Like we have oh, to try and erase yeah. that book from our memory <laughs> in order to enjoy Lila as a fictional character. Obviously, we wouldn't. We wouldn't yes. erase it if it was a real person we know. No, 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 God, no. But like, that's the thing. Canon does flip-flop around the place here, even within this main series, like quite a bit. And people's attitudes kind of like things do, they do change things up when it suits them for sure. Um, and yeah, and I guess Suzanne Hanlon is clearly more expendable than Lila to take yes. on this role. Yeah. And we know she's snobby. And mm. uh, She tried to change so. Ken and she did not succeed. She did. <laughs> she did not succeed though. In changing Ken. <laughs> um, so apparently she's horrified at the idea of the uh, of the wedding taking place in a backyard apparently she looks as if it's about her face uh, it reflects the fact she thinks getting married in a backyard is, about, is as bad as getting married under a freeway overpass <laughs> and uh, Annie's not sure what to wear for the wedding and Jessica suggests something in lavender because it would match the flowers and it's a colour that would look good on Cheryl as well as you and Sandy asks um how do you know what Cheryl looks like? You know, Annie's never met her. And uh, Cheryl, or sorry, Jessica starts to explain, but Annie panics. And this is the thing, this doesn't make any sense that Annie would be panicking about this. Unless Annie is racist in a weird way I can't figure out. <laughs> I know. This is because she thinks about it so much. Like we know what what is on her mind at all times. And it's like, she's so stressed about mentioning it now so far after the fact she feels like it'll make a really big deal out of it or it'll seem like she's making a big deal out of it, even though she's trying not to, but is now making a big deal out of it because she's overthinking it so much. And yeah, as you say, if she just let Jessica like talk, this would solve the problem for her that she's having. But yeah, she, she makes, she, so she is making things worse for herself now by jumping in and lying and saying that, uh, what is it that she says? Oh yeah. That that she says that her mother told her a bit about what she looks like. And I told Jessica and she feels bad for lying, but it's like, her kind of thought process here is that she doesn't want somebody else to mention that Cheryl is black because it'll look like she was trying to hide it. She's like, then people might think I was ashamed of it. And she kind of gets frustrated with herself really, is, about all this. And it's like, it oh, won't look really like just... she's trying. It won't <laughs> look like she's trying to hide it because Jessica clearly knows. Exactly. So... But she's just kind of digging a hole for herself here. Yeah, and it really is, is a bit ridiculous. Yeah. Mm. Well, they continue to chat and, uh, the others are impressed by the news that Walter is a famous photographer and mm. that, you know, presumably he and Cheryl hobnob with the stars. And even Lila's impressed by that and said, this Cheryl sounds like she might be an interesting person. <laughs> and um, she asks when, when she's, you know, when she's coming and Annie starts to confirm that it's this Friday. But then the door of the Dairy Burger opens and Tony and some of his buddies from the track team, he's no longer cheating to win, no. walk in. <laughs> um, so Annie's kind of distracted and uh, she tells Lila that they're, she and her mom are coming to the, going to drive to the airport to in LA um, to hmm. pick them up because I guess Sweet Valley Airport isn't open that weekend. <laughs> and, <laughs> Um, 
She uh, she tries to hide from Tony, but he comes over and asks to speak to her. So reluctantly, she follows him to a quiet booth. And it's all very awkward. But he asks, mm. look, have you thought any more about what I said? Like, would you consider, I don't want to push you, would you consider going out with me just as a friend? And Annie is tempted, but she's like, look, there's a lot going on in my life right now. And Tony kind of pushes it. He's going, I could help. I could be there for you. But then she says, she remembers him saying you needed his freedom. And she says, you wanted your freedom, but you can't have it both ways. You can't be free when you want to and then be close when you want to. And she says she can't trust him anymore. And uh, Tony looks deeply wounded by her words, but she stomps off to the loo. When she emerges, he's gone. Good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, it's like, oh no, his feelings are hurt. Like, how how was she supposed to feel when he was running around with another girl behind her back? Yes. So it's like, come on, Tony, what the fuck? But again, like, because you know they're meant to be for each other or whatever. It's like they kind of tell us that Annie is just afraid of being hurt again, and that's actually oh, what's stopping course. her, even though she does want to get back with him. But it's like, you know what? You don't have to get back with him. Like, you can walk away from this. It's fine. You- absolutely can but also like oh when she returns to the girls they're all like oh you like you said earlier like all her friends want her to give him mm. another chance uh though jessica says she should give him some conditions if she takes him back no other girls mm. um so jenny or annie is uh looking for an exit route so she hails a <laughs> passing liz and says she's having trouble with her english homework and could she get some of liz's wisdom and of course this is delighted to be asked for some help because it's <laughs> sticking her nose in is her favorite thing so she says she's got an appointment in 15 minutes so could she give annie a lift um somewhere and they could talk and drive and uh, annie agrees because that's perfect she's got an excuse to leave so they head off and of course liz uh immediately senses that all's not well with annie and uh annie's eyes fill with tears as she realizes that no things are not well Oh God, yeah. She's just like, everything's happening so fast. So um, Liz is like, okay, well, let's kind of talk it out. Like, what are you most worried about right now? Uh, and Annie's like, you know, she's she kind of reveals, like, I'm most worried about getting along with Cheryl because I've always wanted a sister and now suddenly I'm getting one. But, you know, obviously it's difficult because she doesn't know anything about her. And she's like, look, I'm afraid we're going to be so different that we won't be friends. Like, she's from New York. She must be really sophisticated and she's traveled all over the world and goes to a private school. Um and yeah then she kind of trails off and Liz doesn't say anything but like gives Annie an encouraging smile so <laughs> oh, I, I presume I, I mean I presume the reassuring pat on the soul on the shoulder just uh you know goes unmentioned um, but surely that's also happening but um yeah Annie then decides that uh, you know Elizabeth would take her feelings seriously so she kind of says to tell the truth Elizabeth I am worried about all those things but what makes the situation even messier is that Cheryl is black that by itself doesn't bother me but what does bother me is that I can't stop thinking about it and how other people are going to to react so it's like she's nearly kind of stressing herself out on Cheryl's behalf as well as yes. everything else it seems like um, yeah you know catastrophizing basically mm. yeah and uh Liz says well you know look when I realized the Thomases were black I said to myself hey an interracial couple but that's because it's not all that common but mm. you know it's like that's it that's all that's and she thinks yeah. she hopes uh, that most people would be like that and Annie says and I'm glad that the book points this out because you know in, this book would be a lot more interesting if it was entirely from Cheryl's point of view and it was like True. what is it like to be a person of colour coming to the waspiest town on earth mm-hmm. um, where like I mean where they are just very unrelatable to anybody who is not from Sweet Valley as we will discover <laughs> later on um, 
But, you know, if I guess this is what we get, and at least it acknowledges this. It says, look, I don't know how Cheryl feels about my mom and me being white or how she feels like about coming to Sweet Valley. There aren't as many black people here as there are in New York. <laughs> That's saying something. Quite the understatement. <laughs> and uh, she says, I hope you feel welcome here, not out of place. And then Liz says, I'm sure you have less to worry about when you think. And says, maybe you should talk to Patty or Tracy Gilbert or maybe Auntie Jenkins. I know Andy did have that trouble oh, with Charlie Cashman, but aside from that I don't think he or any of the other black kids have had much reason to feel uncomfortable at Sweet Valley High and as my notes say what the actual fuck Liz there was a violent racial racist attack and everybody forgot about it five minutes later and I mean part <sighs> of the fact it's not these people who are not Annie's best friend's job to guide mm. her experience but also I would be thinking a lot more about the racist attack if I were you Liz and not be <sighs> like oh yeah part of that yeah, no, everything's fine. You know, we all we solved racism, didn't we? Like, no, you fucking didn't. Like, oh God. And also just fucking leave Andy Jenkins alone, to be honest. Like that poor lad yes. had enough fucking things to deal with. He doesn't need you coming around looking for fucking lessons from him. Like, so yeah, yeah just just leave those kids alone. God's sake. Oh. <laughs> well, again, Annie, in fairness to her, feels the same way. Like she says, I don't know if telling them this is the right thing to do. I don't know them that well. I can't yeah. like go up to them and burden them with my family troubles but then she says oh god she's like maybe i should get to know them better do you think cheryl will want to hang out with them and elizabeth says well no i don't think she's gonna automatically (laughs) gravitate to them just for that reason um but you know it depends on who shares her interests then we're told take patty for example she's a dancer and most of her friends are dancers her best friend is dd we had a whole book yeah, about. actually, very true. Yeah, and, and if anything, it's like the kind of more creative kids do tend to be friends with each other. So it's not like they're yeah. that rigid and that dancers hang out with dancers and artists hang out with artists. <laughs> like they do all kind of vibe together, all the kind of yeah. anyone who's into something a bit creative, they do all seem to get along pretty well. So yeah, yeah Liz is a bit funny there where she's like, most of Todd's friends are on the basketball team. And it's like, yeah, sure, he hangs out with the team, but like Winston is yeah. probably one of his better friends and he is definitely not on the team. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, I suppose yeah. she's just trying to make the point that it doesn't, yeah, it's more to do with people's interests being similar to hers is what will make yes. her gravitate to them. Yeah. So Annie realizes, yes, she's overthinking things and she says she's thinking of throwing a little party on Sunday so Cheryl can meet some people before she starts school on Monday. And Liz thinks that's a great idea. Um, they'll have just moved, they're moving out of the Saturday. And uh, Liz offers, his, offers to do anything she can to, to help them settle into their new home. So we cut to Saturday and Mrs. Whitman and Annie are heading to uh, collect Walter and Cheryl and Annie has been planning the party. So initially she was going to just invite uh, her good friends, but then she realized something. Yeah, because she kind of runs through the kind of, I guess, guest list that she had in mind, which was like Robin, the other cheerleaders, some of the PBA girls and some of the guys from her classes. Mm. Not Tony, though, uh, because she's just not ready to deal with that. But then she realized that everyone at the party except Cheryl would be white. Yes. And then she starts... um... Uh, she's like she's we're told she did, it's not like she didn't get along with Patty Gilbert hmm. Patty, Patty's cousin Tracy Andy Robert, Rosa Jameson Manuel Lopez or any of the other students of colours at Sweet Valley Art who who oh, look, are they apparently look, remember the, them all. Thri- the thriving Mexican community that <laughs> live in Sweet Valley allegedly <laughs> that we have yet to hear anything from 
Well, then Annie has a whole crisis and she starts wondering, why do, why don't I hang out with any of those kids? Like, you know, have I always separated myself from them, but I never noticed it? And again, I guess it's good. She's questioning her own prejudices. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And she's just doing it to herself. Like she's not exactly. This, she's she's, she's not making this some this. somebody else's problem. Like and going up to like Andy or Jade Wu and being like, "Why aren't we friends? Am I separating <laughs> myself from you?" It's like, okay, don't get on their case about this. Like this is a you problem. So at least, yeah, yeah it's it's a lot of self reflection from Annie here, I guess. <laughs> But then we're told that unable to resolve the confusion in her own mind, she finally decided to invite some of the black, Hispanic and Asian kids at school, hoping that that would make Cheryl feel more at home. Uh, Even though, uh, it goes on to say, she didn't know who Cheryl's friends in New York were. Um, So uh, she is really, really nervous. Like, she's worried about what they'll think of her. um, Mm. And what she'll think. Like, it's, I mean, it's a lot, regardless of the whole, you know, um, interracial romance element. It's yeah. a new step parent and a new step sibling. And deal. so quickly, like having just oh heard God. about it, let alone being given any kind of time to get used to the idea. Like she really is being landed into it in fairness. Yeah. So uh, Thomas's arrive and Walter is tall and good looking and Annie immediately feels comfortable with him in his, oh no, we, I was going to describe his outfit, but no, we'll save that till the end. But he's <laughs> he's got a cool laid back vibe hmm. and he doesn't try and hug her or anything. He just, you know, shakes her hand and he's really friendly and nice. So he's, he's he seems like a really nice guy and he is. He, yeah, um, he is. But uh, Cheryl is just looking really, God love her, like it's a long way to fly. Um, I think it's further than from here. It is a lot further than from here to New York. Uh, so it's like, it's a very long journey. Mm. And Cheryl looks really tired and looks really nervous. And Annie wants to put her at ease and says, welcome to California. But it is kind of awkward. Um, at least they can leave the airport quickly because all their stuff is being shipped. So they just have carry-on bags. Their stuff is meant to arrive in a couple of days. So they yeah. just have uh, a, a few things with them. And Annie tries to chat on the on the journey and um, ask her what the flight was. And Cheryl sort of gives a wry smile and says something about the turbulence. And Annie bonds over, you know, how she doesn't like it and says she's got Thai food waiting at home if Cheryl's tummy is up to it. And Cheryl loves Thai food. So they seem like they've got off to a big start, a great start. Then they drive off and Cheryl's amazed by a road. <laughs> Jesus, I know this. This did seem silly now, in fairness, because yeah, they're uh, they're on the freeway, and Cheryl's like, "Wow, look at this! I've always heard about California freeways, but I never imagined they'd be so huge and busy." Like, I'm sorry, the roads around New York are also huge and busy. What is going on here? Because she never left Manhattan. Like, and they, but they also did say not a few pages before about how well traveled Cheryl is, and that she goes yes! to all these exotic locations with her dad like so yeah that just made no sense (laughs) but she's impressed by a motorway now uh because she's never seen route 95 which (laughs) goes the entire way down the east uh eastern uh coast um and uh, maybe listeners sorry maybe i mean i've gone up and down between boston and washington dc and new york when my parents lived in washington dc on 95 and maybe california freeways are way bigger so do let us over we're uh, mocking the book unfairly <laughs> but Annie assures Cheryl that she'll be driving away in these ginormous roads soon but then we get the first proof that Cheryl is the most relatable character we have ever met in Sweet Valley 
Yeah, Cheryl uh, looks a bit uncomfortable, but then reveals that she doesn't drive. And Annie is like, she doesn't drive? What kind of person doesn't know how to drive? But uh, Walter explains that like... She's Annie! Like, it can't be that shocking! I know. But like, all 16-year-olds in America do drive. Or at least if if film and TV told us anything, and I presume they haven't been lying to us for the last 30 years. (laughs) Like, all the teens do drive on telly, like, which is fair. Um, But... uh, yeah, Annie is just kind of bamboozled by this. But then Walter reveals that, like there's no need to learn to drive in New York because obviously things are close together. It's a walkable city to some extent, at least. And there's good public transport. And, you know, with all the traffic, walking is usually faster. Uh, and Cheryl kind of says, you know, I would like to learn to drive someday. Uh, and then Mrs. Whitman kind of reassures her that like she can take a driver's ed class at Sweet Valley High. Uh, she's yeah. like, Annie just got her license a short while ago. Uh, so Cheryl's like, OK, well, that's good. So she's like, so what's Sweet Valley High like? Uh, and, and Annie just lies and says it's amazing <laughs> but my notes say when she says oh what is Sweet Valley High like my notes say oh here we fucking go because <laughs> Annie reveals all because like and it's good she's got her voice back because uh, a few lines earlier when Cheryl said she might like to drive someday Annie just says oh because she doesn't know what else to say she's so stunned <laughs> By the revelation, Annie, I am 46 years old I and I cannot drive. I'm not particularly <laughs> proud of it, but it's not that weird. I know, but I guess in like American towns like that, they are all built around having a car. Like very yeah, few true. places in America are walkable or at least, you know, like a lot of like, I suppose because here towns were, you know, market towns. So there's a yeah. center, there's walkable you yeah, know, radiuses of things <laughs> over here, but a lot of American towns I think are really sprawly and spread out. And if you don't have a car, you're kind of fucked. Yeah, well, my parents lived in the in the uh, in the the DC suburbs, well, in uh, near hmm. Bethesda in Maryland, and a place called Friendship Heights. If you've got any DC listeners, uh, <laughs> Mar- on Maryland listeners, but yeah, you had to like there were hardly any buses. You could get a bus to the like the metro station the, the subway station but it was a good way away and it was mm. like a very sort of an affluent suburb um and uh yeah it was the idea that you couldn't drive there was just was kind of unthinkable as an adult yeah. anyway yeah so I, I guess i shouldn't be be so shocked by this because i do remember waiting for long times on a bus and you know getting funny looks through the neighborhood when you walked <laughs> towards the bus stop. <laughs> so i mean i was in my 20s then so luckily i didn't have to i mean maybe if i was if i'd gone to school there i would have been i'd be driving up a storm to this day you absolutely would yeah definitely <laughs> But uh, that's not the only shocking thing about Anne, about Cheryl, uh, as far as Annie's concerned, because when she uh, when Annie tells her what Sweet Valley High is like, um, Annie says, "I'm on the cheerleading squad. We go to all the football games," and she can see Mr. Thomas and Cheryl exchange look, and Walter chuckles and says, "Oh, I told Cheryl things are going to be different here," and Cheryl admits she's never been to a football team. Uh, or football game and her school didn't have a team it's in midtown Manhattan there wasn't any space and it wasn't really a thing anyway because they had it was sort of emphasized the performing arts Hmm. and she says like all her friends are into music her friend Yuki plays a violin she's going to Juilliard and she's got friends who go to a summer institute to work with professionals and 
and he's kind of awed. And uh, Cheryl says, living in New York is great for a music- musician, says Cheryl happily. All they had to do was head over to the Lincoln Centre to hear classical and downtown for jazz. And she asks Annie <laughs> what the music scene is like at Sweet Valley. And Annie's like, oh no, there's nothing like that here. These kids love their fucking jazz. <laughs> they are obsessed with jazz. I don't know how this wasn't the perfect opportunity for Annie to launch into a massive spiel about how into fucking jazz everybody is. And the smoother, the better. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think they are on the more Kenny G rather than Miles Davis end. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, there's no John Coltrane style uh, nights in, in Sweet Valley, but still. I mean, they do have quite a lot of music of music going on. And all Annie can say is that there's a band called the Droids. They play a lot of parties. And Cheryl tries to sort of, you know, smile and mm. uh, and be like, oh, you know, cool. But Annie has noticed that Cheryl is sort of forcing the politeness um, and thinks she's going to hate it here and uh, thinks there's no way she'll be interested in a dumb local band and she's not going to like me either. No, oh, no. So the whole journey is awkward and Annie just keeps thinking how different Cheryl's life in New York was like from Sweet Valley and it makes her worry about, you know, will they ever get on? And they mm. arrive and it's it's 11 o'clock New York time. So Cheryl's really tired. It's not a very long, you know, long traveling yeah. day. And the house is still a mess. And um, uh, Cheryl is just like dead on her feet. And Annie shows her the room where they're going to sort of camp out on an air mattress because all the bed is gone. And Cheryl, in a dull voice, just says, very rustic. And in fairness to Cheryl, she's not being a snobby bitch. She's really tired. No, she's wrecked. Like she's been on a flight for most of the day, has just arrived. And it's still, and it's such a huge adjustment for her as well. So she's probably tired even just from the kind of worry about this whole massive yeah. change in her life as well as everything else but yeah so she's she's not being a jerk she is just absolutely tired and as you say dead yeah. on her feet like and the fact that you're gonna have to like pump up an air mattress yeah yeah that's like the last thing all you want to do is fall into bed at that stage you don't want to be dealing with inflating a fucking mattress like <laughs> so uh mrs whitman uh sort of and and walter exchange anxious glances and um Annie and Mrs. Whitman suggests, look, you know, you must be really hungry. Let's heat up dinner. Like we've got that pie food. So Annie heats up the beef curry and spring rolls and she and Walter bond over their love of cooking. And, you know, they they actually do really forge a connection. and It is kind of mm. nice. Um, so uh, then the, the meal is heated up and Annie sets down the big pot of curry on the table. And in a low voice, Cheryl says, I think we have a problem here. Uh-oh. <laughs> And again, this is done like another like end of chapter cliffhanger, which is hilarious in this case, because it's like, what's the matter, Cheryl? Annie asked. Cheryl looked at Annie. I'm a vegetarian. I mean, that was really common in Ireland for teenagers. I had a bunch of friends who were vegetarians in the early 90s. I cannot believe that Annie did not think this was a possibility. Oh God, it is pretty funny, but also that would have been useful information for Annie to have had before she went making this huge Thai dinner for everybody. Uh, yes. But, but like it turns out that uh, it was Mrs. Whitman had dropped the ball there and forgot to mention that Cheryl's a vegetarian. Uh, yes. She's like, Cheryl, I'm so sorry. And Cheryl kind of smiles and says, that's OK. Uh, and then Annie, um, in 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 a slight moment of bimbo mode, says, well, you need the spring rolls. There's no meat in them, just shrimp. And Cheryl's like, I don't eat seafood either. It's like, oh, my God, yeah. she's never going to fit in in Sweet Valley if she doesn't eat seafood. <laughs> everything else the seafood would be her downfall <laughs> <laughs> no, specials for her and then 
she says oh god i would have been like this as a teenager um she says in a low voice i could eat some plain rice oh. and uh, walter is like okay you don't need to sound like a martyr i'm sure there's something in the house that you can eat and cheryl does look ashamed and apologizes and says look i know it's your fault it's just it's been a long day and there's a catch in her voice and annie's heart went out to her and she realizes well not she realizes but she she knew this already like she just left her friends at her school and she moved all the hmm. across the country to live with a woman she scarcely knows and a total stranger of a daughter um but of course she wonders whether part of the problem is that she and her mother were white i mean for fuck's sake it's not all about you annie no, come on. <laughs> Poor girl's just wrecked. <laughs> so Annie goes to the fridge and she finds a bean burrito in the fr- in the freezer, which cheers Cheryl up. And Cheryl's, you know, very much holding it together, probably better than I would have at that age. I would probably just been crying and sulking. <laughs> and uh, Annie asked Walter if he was shooting her mom's catalogue shoot, uh, the one that she was working on in New York over the past few weeks, but he was working on something much more exciting. <laughs> Yeah, the glamour of it all. Apparently he was doing Rhomboids next album cover. Uh, like, what? <laughs> apparently there's some really hot band. We've no idea what kind of music they play. Uh, but uh, everybody apparently is very impressed by this because Rhomboid are the shit. <laughs> and they, they mention Rhomboid quite a lot. Of this one of those words that just gets funnier the more, the more you see it's, it. It's the bun doggies of this book, I think. <laughs> it is! And if you don't know what Bun Doggies is, you need to join our Pi Beta Alpha Sisterhood. There we go. Mid episode plug. <laughs> well, Annie is awestruck. Apparently, Rob Boyd are one of the most talked about, <laughs> talked about new bands in the country. And it turns out they played at Cheryl's going away party. Um, so, uh, Cheryl sort of jokes like, oh yeah, pretty cool. It's one of the perks of having a big shot photographer for a father. But she's saying it in a joking way. And he has to admit mm. she's not like being snobby about it. And uh, she says she's impressed and says, Sweet Valley would seem pretty dull to someone who has major rock bands playing at their parties. I mean, apart from all the kidnappings and uh, princes <laughs> and all sorts of shenanigans. <laughs> Honest to God, like this. It's so funny when people say that it's a dull town because it's just like, really? <laughs> have you been like and you're all obsessed with the Wakefields don't pretend like you're not so you know exactly what's been going on in this town for this ridiculous like year I guess or at least 92 books yeah (laughs) well uh, Cheryl says like I'm sure there's a lot going on here that's what I'll say Uh, (laughs) and she asks is there any theatre in town and Annie says well actually the director David Goodman was just here and of course Cheryl knows who he is Um, she saw his recent production of The Iceman Cometh Um, and she told uh, Annie says he directed Macbeth at the at Sweet Valley High, and Cheryl's like he directed a high school play, um, and she's not really mocking it, but she's just more surprised as I guess you would be. But I'm Annie gets very defensive and says <laughs> it was very good. Jessica Wakefield, who played Lady Macbeth, was excellent. Everyone liked her performance. So she says rather <laughs> formally, and we're told all Cheryl said was, "Ah, <laughs> what could you say?" I know. <laughs> it's like okay. I I don't know who Jessica Wakefield is, but good for her, I guess. Like, yes. <laughs> oh, you learn, Cheryl. <laughs> so Cheryl's so tired, she has to just go to bed straight away. But the air mattress hasn't even been blown up yet, and uh, Annie uh, Annie helps her helps her out, and she ponders how how beautiful Cheryl is. 
Yeah, she, um, she her hair is cut short in a very fashionable style, apparently, that emphasizes her great bone structure. Uh, her eyes were doe-like and her skin flawless. Uh, and Annie's like, God, she's really pretty. And she asks Cheryl if she's ever thought about being a model. Uh, and Cheryl's like, oh, no, not not really. She's like, no, music is more my thing. Uh, but then she reveals that her mother was a model. Yes. And Annie realised she never asked her mother about Walter's first wife. I mean, that seems like mm. a fairly big thing to not, you know, he's got a daughter. That daughter presumably had another parent at some stage. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that um, her um, Cheryl's mom died of leukaemia when she was nine. And then says that she has a tear in her eye. She says she's really going to miss New York because the only memories of her mother that are really clear involve places in the city they went together. Um, so Annie, quite mature. I think this is really good. She actually says, look, are you, does it make you angry that your father is marrying my mother and making you move out here away from all your friends and everything? And um, Cheryl kind of opens up to her too. She does. Yeah. She kind of says, look, you know, I'm, I'm glad that he's happy and it's so long since I've seen him smile this much, but like, fair enough. She's like, I don't really understand why he was so eager to move out here. Apparently he hasn't lived in California since before Cheryl was born. And she was like, and it's so different here. And of course, immediately Annie's like, the question of race flooded back into her mind. She didn't want to think about it, but there it was. She was tempted to ask Cheryl exactly what she meant by saying that Sweet Valley was different and like, and whether it had anything to do uh, with the fact of her being black in a town where most of the people were white. And it's like, it's like Sweet Valley is very different to New York and it's like it's just Annie again it's just it's so at the forefront of her mind uh she's just kind of again spiraling I suppose every time that she thinks even someone's about to talk about race and things being different for Cheryl here but um she kind of lose she's about to ask about that or to actually talk about it with her but then kind of chickens out at the last minute kind of kind of loses her courage and she's like no no talk to her about it but it's like her mouth wouldn't obey and she's like she ends up just asking if Cheryl needs any toothpaste or anything like that. So she just kind of lets yeah. her go to bed in the end. Yeah. Well, um, she hopes tomorrow will be better. And the next morning hmm. she wakes up feeling cheerful to find that Cheryl has gone for a walk and she's puzzled. This is so fucking grim. She thinks, where in the world would she go? There's nothing around for blocks and blocks except more apartments and houses. I mean, there's bits of Dublin that are like that, but like... I know that is just that is poor planning like (laughs) that is because you've got there's no like how are you supposed to build a community when there's no fucking amenities in the area so that is that is poor town planning on on the part of Sweet Valley it really is because even the parts Mm. of Dublin that are sort of just housing estates they tend to have like schools and parks Mm. and things in them and shops um but anyway, the movers arrive and Mrs. Walt- Mrs. Whitman and Walter uh, are going to supervise the the loading of the boxes and Annie and Cheryl are going to drive over to the house to be there when the mover van arrive. And mm-hmm. then Mrs. Whitman, whose first name we never find out, and Walter yeah. cy- will cycle over. And Annie th- thinks <laughs> it's very romantic. <laughs> so, it is pretty um, cute. <laughs> yeah, it is cute. I mean, they are cute together. Yeah. So Cheryl returns, and the girls drive off. And uh, Cheryl is pensive, but she's in a better mood. And she, I, I would not be in a better mood because of this, because she says, "Oh, you know, it's so different here. I must have walked for about twenty minutes this morning, and I didn't see a single store." Just house after house, like that. Just, I mean, even like Dublin's a big city; it's gone over well over a million people. And there is nowhere you would walk for 20 minutes and not see a shop. True. Like, yeah. You know your shop. Like, oh my God. Whenever I've moved house, I'm always like, is there a shop nearby? <laughs> Can yeah. I go and get milk when I run out? Because <laughs> I inevitably will and forget to get it in the actual shop. <laughs> yes. 
Well, I mean, one of the reasons that we bought our house as well was like, well, it's very well served for the shops. And it really is. But you need a shop. Like, literally. Yeah. Like, you couldn't be doing without a shop. Plus, I grew up yeah. in the country, like, in the countryside where you were, like, a 20-minute drive into town. So, like, there was never a shop around when I was small. So, it was just like, I just, I still love being near, near a shop now after years and years of growing up without being near a shop. Well, now I'm like, I need a shop. <laughs> And also, makes sense if you live in the actual countryside to not be near a shop, but living in a housing development and you need mm. to walk for like over no. a mile? No, there should know. be a shop within That's walking or at least cycling distance. Yeah. Yeah. Even just a spar, just a little shop. Mm. Yeah. Uh, get your milk and your bread and your butter and your bits. This, this is it. A few biscuits for the tea. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, Annie says uh, where people live, it's usually nice and quiet. I mean, I'm like, I live in a very quiet. <laughs> suburb like two miles from the city centre and the shops are not like you know having a few like a hardware shop and a grocer's and a butcher's and a fishmonger's and stuff is not at a library it's not like causing chaos and noise <laughs> but we're told that if you want to go shopping you can go downtown to the va- or to the valley mall and all the stores are right there and Joe points out it's pretty far to go to all these places uh, I guess you have to drive and Annie's like I guess it won't, it won't take you any time at all to learn I mean it's an environmental nightmare <laughs> so true <laughs> yeah Daddy's like, oh, we're going to have to buy another car, maybe two. I'll see if I can talk them into getting something sporty. And Cheryl suggests uh, something sea green with a sunroof and a really good stereo. And Daddy says, now you're talking, we're going to turn you into a Californian yet. I mean, just contributing single-handedly <laughs> to all the water shortages there, I guess. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> so uh, the twins are in their garden when the two new uh, stepsisters arrive and Jessica wants to wash over. Liz wants to give them space, but of course Jessica wins. And I mean, they may, she may as well start as she means to go on because these girls are never going to have a minute's peace with Jessica Wakefield as their neighbour. So they might as well God. get used to it now. <laughs> God help them. And uh, the first thing Cheryl... Um, Jessica says to Cheryl is, I really love your haircut. And I thought we were going to get a hair touching instance. Oh God, same. Yeah, I worried too. But but thankfully, Jessica keeps her hands to herself. <laughs> yes. And actually, Cheryl says, I'll need to find a hairstylist in Sweet Valley who could do this cut or something like it. I mean, good luck with that. Hmm. I guess True. maybe maybe they could get, maybe there is. A Look, maybe. Uh, like, that, that is something she'll probably have to ask Patty or Tracy Gilbert about because. That yeah. is true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because, I mean, considering the, uh, I, I don't, maybe sheer pleasure. Possibly. You never know. They've got, <laughs> with all their technology, still. surely they can handle black hair as well. <laughs> well, fingers crossed for Cheryl, because um, Liz asks her thoughts on California and she can't get used to, you know, how spread out everything is. But Jessica's like, oh, how could Little Sweet Valley be confusing? And they all go into the house and Cheryl loves it, especially on sunlight. And when Jessica asks about her New York home, which uh, we're told is a cool loft in a conversion mm. factory, Jessica breathes a sigh of pure ecstasy. Um, <laughs> and that does ring very true because it would be very impressive. That's it. And it's funny because like, it's like Elizabeth knew her sister was imagining herself as an actress living in New York. And it's funny because we often get like, we were inside Jessica's head for these kind of flights of fancy. So it's funny seeing it from the outside where it's like yeah. Liz is looking over at it going yeah I know exactly what's going on in that mad little head of hers right now ah. <laughs> 
Um, so Annie shows them around in tour guide mode, but she's kind of stiff and awkward, and it's mm. just a bit weird. And Cheryl says, "Oh, I hear Annie's a wonderful cook. You know, with a kitchen like this, you should be in heaven." Um, and uh, Je- Liz is Liz notices this and is wondering what's up with Annie. And um, when Annie says to Cheryl that they can choose the bedrooms, and they're looking in at them. Liz asks Liz or uh, asks Jessica, like, what's the story? Like, she seems so uncomfortable around Cheryl, and she seemed to be really looking forward to her coming a few days ago. And uh, Jessica's like, well, yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't. They're not going to become best friends overnight. It's probably just all a bit mm. weird. So they look at the bedrooms, and Cheryl says she likes both. But when I, Annie urges her to make a choice, she choose she chooses the flowery room, which she says is peaceful, but it's very awkward still. It is, yeah. And Annie is kind of funny about it as well. She's like, oh, you like it? And Liz thinks her voice is a bit tense when she says it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of, it's, I think, yeah, it's kind of clear that like Annie wanted this room, but wants to make the effort with Cheryl. So she kind of just, if she thinks that this is the one that Cheryl actually wants, she's kind of letting her have it. And she'll take the other room, even though it's the one that she wants. So she's yeah. kind of just leaving it off, we'll say, because she's kind of, because Cheryl's like, do you like this one better than the other one? And Annie's like, oh, you know, I, I like both of them, whichever one you want. And it's, it is awkward and a bit strained and Cheryl's kind of like okay I guess this room will be fine and they're kind of like okay well that's that we can we can tell our parents so which which ones we've chosen we might as well go back downstairs but it is weird and awkward and it is because Annie wants that room but she won't say yeah so. <laughs> exactly so Jessica says whispers look let me talk to Annie for a minute I'll see what's up so Liz of course mm. is delighted to have a new victim to meddle with she lures <laughs> Cheryl away and she mentions her piano playing and uh, Cheryl can't wait for her piano to arrive because she's missing it already and they start mm. talking about the media Jessica um, or sorry Liz says she read the article the interview in Style Magazine and it must be said it must have been weird to be you know she's a would-be journalist herself but it must be weird to be on the other side and Cheryl says yeah it's um it is weird it's it's sort of like see hearing yourself on tape for the first time or seeing yourself on video you go is that really me and then she ponders i wonder how hard it is to change someone's first impression of somebody so mm. she clearly feels she's got off on the wrong foot with um, mm. with annie and they join the others and jessica mentions annie's plan for a party and annie says to cheryl like i hope this is okay with you and Cheryl's delighted and says it's really thoughtful of her and she can't wait to meet all her friends and says I'm looking forward to meeting more people like you and she giggles and says you know people who know all about football and how to drive a car and Annie presses her lips tightly together and doesn't say anything and Liz is puzzled because like Cheryl's happy so why does Annie look so offended and like why does she look so offended? Yeah, I don't know what this is about. Yeah, because Liz even thinks she's like, why does Annie look like Cheryl just slapped her across the face? And it's like, yeah, come on, dude. Like, she's clearly warming up to this whole situation. So why aren't you kind of happy and relieved? Like, she's not making fun of you and your friends. So chill out, will you? Baffling. Mm. Well, the movers arrive and Annie has to show them around. But the twins say they'll, you know, return later to help unpack. Um, Mm. And, you know, once all the boxes are loaded in. So on the way out, Jessica reveals that Annie wouldn't, you know, open up to her but she did find out one interesting thing which was that Annie really wanted the bedroom that Cheryl chose of course as we figured out already and Liz is like what the fuck why did she say something and Jessica says well I think you know I don't know I think she's just trying to like be nice to Cheryl but it was a mistake yeah. not to tell her how her felt or how she felt because it's not a good idea to start a relationship on a misunderstanding true mm-hmm. 
So later that day, the twins and the new Whitman Thomas family are exhausted after the packing and Cheryl suggests they get pizza. So Mr. Thomas uh, strikes a deal and says he'll order pizza if um, for six o'clock, but they have to get all the kitchen stuff unpacked by then. So they get to work and Jessica, who noticed that Annie and Cheryl have been getting on all afternoon, asks about the party and uh, and who's coming and is like, I, you're not going to invite only guys, are you? And uh, <laughs> Annie assures her no, uh, because as Jessica says, Cheryl will want to meet some of the cute guys Sweet Valley High is famous for. And Annie lists the uh, the... The, the guest list. There's some familiar faces, but some total randomers. Oh, like absolute newbies. Like she does kind of run through like, yeah, Manuel Lopez, Grant, Andy Jenkins, Dan Scott, Guy Chesney, Winston Egbert, Rich Chen and his brother Paul and Greg who Washington. Like, who, who are these people? That's <laughs> literally my notes to say. Who are these people? <laughs> Sorry, who are Rich and Paul Chen and who is Greg Washington? Apparently he's a senior. Uh, but like, yeah, yeah, unsurprisingly, Jess is kind of surprised by this. She's like, I didn't realize you knew Greg Washington all that well. He's a senior and you're a sophomore. And then he's like, yeah, I don't know him all that well. Do you think it was a bad idea to invite him? And Jess is like, well, no, it just seems a bit odd. She's like, I thought you'd want to introduce Cheryl to your close friends first, which like is, of course, the kind of logical thing to do yeah. there. And uh, Jessica kind of thinks for a second about the the kind of the list that she had just rattled off and kind of in a low voice like so Cheryl won't hear her she does ask Annie she's like did you invite Greg just because he's black and then Annie gets really embarrassed and kind of blushes and stammers and she's like oh you know I thought I thought Cheryl might want to meet someone who who and then kind of Liz stands up and interrupts because she's done unpacking one of the boxes and it's very awkward but like that clearly is the reason why Annie has invited this guy that she does not know like she straight up does not know this guy at all so that is uh yeah that is quite the misstep and it's it's very awkward and she knows herself it's an awkward thing to have done because she can't even justify it really at all. And she is mortified as soon as Jess asks the question. Like, Yeah, too late. She's invited him now. So the the others come in and Annie tells them to take a break while she finishes up. So the Jessica and Elizabeth and Cheryl go outside and Jessica waxes lyrical about the beach to Cheryl and the twins Mm. rave about California in general. And Cheryl politely mentions, you know, she's heard Jessica's on the cheerleading squad and Jessica suggests she try out, but it's not Cheryl's thing. And uh, Liz says, well, there's lots of other things to do at Sweet Valley High. And Cheryl looks interested and says, well, what, you know, what's your story and Jessica uh, or Liz says well I write for the school paper but I told you that already and Jessica then mentions Pi Beta Alpha and Cheryl's like Uh. what's what's that Um, and Annie says it's only the sorority at Sweet Valley High we have lots of fantastic parties in fact you might want to join it's a great way to make friends then I don't say Cheryl our relatable queen because she reacts like we would she is unbelievable. Yeah, she's so good. She's just like, Cheryl goes, you actually have sororities in high school here, Cheryl asked, sounding surprised. Like, yes, dude, fair. Then she lets out a laugh and goes, Sweet Valley sounds like something out of a 1950s beach party movie. Football, cheerleaders, sororities, surfing. I suppose even burger joined too. <laughs> and like, that line was here with my notes here were just like yes Cheryl tell them you're right <laughs> she's so right and this is what I mean about it being the uh the the most relatable um <laughs> character we've ever seen because and it go I mean it goes it goes on uh but it's it's like she's she sees Sweet Valley as we see it hmm. yes as it's, frankly, it's Gidget like what's happening yes <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so, uh, yeah, Liz, uh, Liz laughs. And, and we're told also, like, her tone is light. She's clearly enjoying yes. the conversation. She's not taking it in a mean way. And Liz no, laughs no, no. long and uh, says, you know, look, Sweet Valley also has foreign film festivals. In fairness, it does. Concerts in the park, yeah. Sushi bars, yeah, it does, actually. Museums, that's true. <laughs> and art galleries also, too. I guess we have to continue... <laughs> All I love that things. you're verifying, you're verifying <laughs> everything one by one that it's listed up. And it's like, yes, these things have all turned up in books. <laughs> we they can't fault any of those things. We, we can't pull her up on anything there. They are all definitely in canon and in place in this town. <laughs> now, remember how Jessica uh, uh, reacted to going for sushi? It was as if she was going to eat raw shit or something. It was quite uncalled <laughs> for. Um so Liz says, maybe there's not as much of a choice as there is in New York, as you think, but there really mm. is something for everyone. All you have to do is hop in the car. And Cheryl smiles and says, yes, really, I'm going to learn how to drive. And the twins lose their damn minds. <laughs> Jessica is literally aghast. She's like, you've never driven a car? Cheryl's like, yeah, I guess I'm going to be hearing this a lot, aren't I? Uh, yeah. And she has to explain that, look, you don't need a car in New York. Uh, but she's like, look, I, I can see things are different out here. Were you guys all driving by the time you were five years old? Uh, and like, she is, you know, she's joking and lighthearted about yeah. it. But um, yeah, they kind of assure her that, look, if, if you need to ride somewhere before you get your license, we can we can spin you around uh, if Annie isn't available. Uh, and like, they are getting on quite well with Cheryl. Like, yeah, Jessica and Liz both, yeah. they both like her. Um, yeah. And Jess kind of finds her very funny and smart and sophisticated but that she's not like a New York snob like Jess had maybe worried that she might have been uh, and Jess is thinking that uh, she'd fit into PBA really well I'm sure she should be one of the most popular kids in school once people get to know her so Jessica brings that up and says mm. you know I think you'll really enjoy being a member of Pi Beta Alpha I don't why would you think that no, no. Like, I mean you were because... there for the Rosa Jameson fucking yeah. debacle so why do you think this is the place for, like for anybody let alone Cheryl yes. Jesus so she says she says that Annie or or herself could put her name forward at the next meeting and Cheryl really tries to be polite um, she thanks her but she says like I'm you know thank you but I'm not sure about joining a sorority the whole idea is kind of news to me and aren't they kind of exclusive and Annie says yes but that's the point all the girls in private alpha are really talented and a lot of fun to be with they are their hold and we all go <laughs> swimming together and play tennis stuff like that it's nice to get to know a group of girls so well and Jessica continues the sales pitch and is like Elizabeth and I both love it right Liz and Liz is like <laughs> eh. <And> Jessica <laughs> silently begs her twin just say you like it tell her how good it is and i'm thinking tell her how they bullied somebody into an eating disorder annie's oh, best God. friend or how your own fucking cheerleading squad bullied annie into a like attempting to kill herself like no oh, jeez, yeah it's it's grim when you think about sweet valley too much it's an awfully grim place but yes. um yeah liz kind of tries to be diplomatic about it and just kind of says you know i'm not as involved in pba as jessica is but Cheryl is like, well, I suppose it's okay if you give them my name. And then quite reasonably and quite a good point to make does ask the question, are there any African-American girls in the sorority? Uh, yes. And Annie's like, oh, not yet, but there's no reason there shouldn't be. And it's like, well, there are plenty of reasons why nobody should be in this fucking sorority because it's a bunch of bitches. But anyway. Yes. And also we literally had a book a few, like not that long mm. ago, where somebody from a Mexican background had to lie about it because of this bunch of racists who yeah. uh, did not really reform their racism. No. So, so um, 
she's uh yeah she's she's annie says i know you didn't find anything like this at your old school but you really like it and jessica says you'll meet some of the girls tomorrow at the party then you'll see what a nice group it is i mean that'd turn her off in five minutes but um <laughs> the pizza arrives and annie's delighted because you know she thinks that if cheryl applies for membership uh, of pba then um and it's accepted i won't want to, won't have to worry about her about helping her so i won't have to worry about helping her fit in um and if jessica supports her um there won't be any problem voting her in unlike when uh jessica blackballed robin your best friend which you seem to have completely oh, forgotten about oh god i know and the thing is i can kind of see annie's logic here where she is very stressed about cheryl you know not just fitting in but like making friends in a new yeah. town like starting from scratch is difficult of course and I guess from her point of view, like leaving aside the fact that we know PBA are a bunch of bitches, like yeah. the fact that it's like a group or a club of any sort will say that she becomes part of is kind of a ready-made group of people to hang out with. Yes. So I do get that logic, but just the fact that it's PBA and that she's pushing it so hard is just like, oh God, Annie, please stop. Don't no, do it to her. <laughs> really don't. So uh, they all have um, their pizza arrives and they all have dinner. And um, Walter's, you know, Walter's just really lovely and mm. um, charming but uh, then he has to leave the meal for to answer the phone and he's not happy because it's rhomboid <laughs> <laughs> fucking rhomboid are back yeah apparently there's an issue with the album cover that he just shot for them where the band likes it of course because those guys are cool but uh, the, the record company isn't happy so uh, he has to head back to New York sooner than he thought in fact which is and uh, yeah he has to go tomorrow or else the album <laughs> release is going to be held up so unfortunately he's going to have to bail out for the next three or four days at the absolute worst maybe a week and poor Cheryl like she's literally just Aww. got here and now her dad has to bail off back to to new york for like probably a full week so she's just left in with this town that's an unfamiliar town with strangers like living in this house uh with her and she's just like oh fuck it anyway but uh yeah she's like annie kind of tries to reassure her and she's like you know we'll be fine don't worry but she kind of she wished she felt as confident as she sounded so like yeah that is kind of lousy on uh on yeah. poor cheryl there in fairness we cut to Sunday and Robin has come over to help Annie with the party prep and Robin is dazzled by tales of Rob Boyd and uh, <laughs> then she's introduced to Cheryl and they hit it off straight away even though my notes say you tell her about those PBA bitches Robin <laughs> But Robin pretends to sort of ignore Annie and takes Cheryl's arm and says, now you're here, we can work on a plan for getting rid of her, she says in a stage whisper. So they definitely... Um, like have a nice you know vibe yeah. going on they all hit it off yeah yeah so they get all the party prep done and cheryl goes up to change and robin says how much she likes her and asks if they're getting getting on and says you two seem to have pretty different interests but i'm getting the sense you're similar on the inside robin went on I'm, i don't know why you think this and annie <laughs> agrees but the reasons she you know the, the similarities are basically on a like we both like pizza and having <laughs> friends because it's like we both we like, like our parents money. Yeah, that's literally we both like our parents. I mean, Jesus yep. Christ. That's it. That's all you need. <laughs> so Jessica, or she's sorry, Annie s says that um, Jessica had a great idea yesterday because uh, she thinks that Cheryl will grow to like a lot of the things Sweet Valley High kids do for fun. And Jessica suggested that we put her up for PBA. And Robin frowned and says, I wouldn't have thought Cheryl is into the sorority scene. I'm like, remind her that they bullied you into an eating disorder <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so she, like, understandably, Robin is skeptical of PBA in general, which, like, yeah, fair. But it is weird that they don't go into any further detail on that, yeah. uh, considering, they, considering they, they take every chance to recap everything, usually. But, um, and that's an iconic yeah, book, like. It is, it is, in fairness. But Annie just kind of, uh, she just kind of says, you know, look, she hasn't met many of the girls yet. She'll be more of them tonight. Uh, and once she has met them all, I'm sure she'll want to join. And Robin's like, yeah, but will PBA want her to join? And Annie yeah. kind of freezes and gets a little bit defensive. Um, and uh, like, like Robin is right. She's like, you know what snob some of them can be. And it's hard for them to tolerate anybody who's the least bit different. Um, like you, so Robin. Uh, like you. Well, this is it. Like Robin has had this firsthand, like about what they're actually like when it comes to somebody who's in any ways different from the ideal waspy kind of skinny girl that they yeah. usually admit. Like they, they um, made her do all those uh, really terrible difficult humiliating pledges that were much hmm. harder than the other ones and then they blackballed her anyway exactly like, yeah they're monsters yeah like I don't know it's uh, oh this is the other thing then because she uh, is it Robin kind of says I don't know whether the fact that Cheryl's black wouldn't matter what have they said about it and then Annie admits that they don't know so this is the first time that Robin realises that Annie hasn't actually told anybody that Cheryl is black uh, yes. and then he's like oh yes. it shouldn't matter and she's getting kind of defensive and Robin's like no it shouldn't but in the real world it does sometimes uh, and Annie like again this is that kind of you know oh I don't see colour and neither does anybody else because she's like I bet all they're going to notice is that she's from New York and dresses differently from us here in California and Annie kind of knows herself she's kind of clutching at straws here because she's <laughs> she says it like hoping desperately this would still turn out to be true and it's like yeah. oh come on now you know it's not like <laughs> yeah and uh, Robin gets realistic and says well weren't you surprised when you heard the Cheryl Walter mm. were black. It isn't that common yet for black and white people to get married. And Annie's just like, well, it's not a big deal. I, they're all going to meet her. It's going to be fine. And Robin hopes she's right. And this is one of those things where I genuinely don't know what the right thing to do is. Um, I know. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it tur- I mean, as it turns out, to be honest, in this case, in the Sweet Valley case, clearly the answer would be to say, to tell just to mention in passing that they're yeah. black or yeah. let Jessica do it because it turns yeah. out that every single fucking person oh, who turns up is just like what oh god everyone just stare like yeah because they kind of they kind of intro this scenario to us with uh it's Amy Sutton and Barry uh turn up to the party and it's kind of like Annie's like oh where's Cheryl and then Cheryl kind of breaks away from a group and it's like oh did I hear my name Amy stared at Cheryl for a second obviously bewildered you're Cheryl and it's like oh for god's sake Amy but like Annie thinks then this is the 20th time tonight someone's had that reaction when they meet her I never expected this and it's like on one hand it's like yeah I suppose you would hope that your friends wouldn't make such a big fucking deal out of it and they'd just be like oh hey how's it going Cheryl (laughs) nice to meet you like a fucking normal person but like everybody seems to have fucking stopped and stared so that's that is awkward and I guess yeah obviously the right thing to do in this particular Sweet Valley situation would have been to just either let Jessica run her fucking mouth or just mention it in passing as you say that this is the case they're an African-American family but like yeah it's so now it is awkward and weird and poor Cheryl is having to go through this fucking set of microaggressions every single time she meets somebody new which is shit yes oh god god love her and uh and it only oh, then we got another layer um so i know there's obviously going to be some of our our listeners will relate to those experiences of cheryl and that all of our listeners are going to uh maybe not all of them will relate to this part because when cheryl asks how they know annie uh she says that um 
Amy says she's on the cheerleading squad and Barry's her boyfriend. And Annie's, uh, Barry's like, oh, that's not my only identity. I'm a senior at Sweet Valley High and I'm a tennis player. And Cheryl, just making conversation, says, it seems like almost everyone I've met tonight is into sports in some way. And Annie thinks, not this topic again. Uh, Annie thought in a panic, after people stop being surprised she's black, they start being surprised all over again that she's not into sports. Then they're surprised once more when she says she doesn't drive. Don't want to be an Annie and make it all about me again, but I'd now say yet another reminder that I would be fucked in this town. <laughs> You'd be an absolute anomaly. <laughs> they wouldn't know what to do with you. Because <laughs> Annie, uh, so Annie does her does her does her best, and uh, like, oh yes, um, it's very sporty. Uh, I guess most. And Amy says, you know, well, I guess most people here are involved in sports in some way, but that's probably because Annie's a cheerleader. We hang out mostly with athletes, and some are more in sports than others. And me and Barry also volunteer at Project Youth. Still there. That says, how are you? What sports do you play? I am forty six years old. No one has ever asked me that question in my life. I mean, maybe if I was at a sports camp, they might. But that is insane. I know, but it is just a given. Like, you know, you're you're a kid or age going to school. What sports do you play? But at the same time, oh. like Liz doesn't play sports. Yes. Like, yeah, she plays tennis occasionally, but she's not on like a team or in any kind of yeah. like yeah athletics kind of group or whatever. Like, it is like you know, writing is her thing. Like, so. Yeah, but even then she does still play tennis. So I guess there's still something that they'd have to say yeah. to about that question, like pretty much like, everybody. I liked playing the odd game of tennis when I was a teenager, but I wouldn't, mm. if somebody had said, what sports do you play? I would have stared at them <laughs> Would you have been able to dazzle the Sweet Valiants? Could you drive at that stage? Because people obviously from outside the city here often do learn how to drive earlier. Yeah, you well, driver? yeah, that's the... Yeah, like I, we would have done, um, like we got driving lessons like as part of our transition year. Like that was one of the kind of really? modules yeah, that we did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And like a lot of like it because, you know, I grew up like 20 minutes outside of town. Yeah. Like a lot of kids would have uh, driven to school when they were able to drive. Like, um, so yeah, in fact, one guy actually used to drive to school on a tractor. I <laughs> 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 called Tom in my class. <laughs> drove to school on his tractor. So there you go. Just <laughs> leave it in the car park. <laughs> is it not needed on the farm do they have like so many tractors you could use them as your cars no they obviously didn't need that tractor very much so the odd time you just see Tom <laughs> on his tractor coming into school but uh, yeah <laughs> so yeah I could I got my license like yeah um, I would have been taking lessons like when I was like a 17 and then you get your okay. provision when you're 17 yeah and then I probably got my proper license when I was 18 but yeah I would have I would have so I do I have my license and I know how to drive I just do not like to drive because I haven't done it in so long now I just get really frightened when I get into a car and have to drive so if I can avoid it I tend to and I actually haven't driven in ages now <laughs> but could you leap into a sports some sort of sports pitch sports ball I don't know no, I definitely I couldn't. I, I did everything I could to get out of PE at every possible yeah. opportunity. So no, not sporty in any way. Same here. The only, I think my own, the only sport I really like is uh, playing tennis against a wall. Me and my, my friend used to happily just like whack a tennis ball against a wall for hours, but that's kind of more <laughs> meditative, I think. Even on the tennis court, I wasn't uh, involved too much running. I was kind of like uh, <laughs> a Brazilian exchange student like, Isabel from the TV Isabel, series. Isabel vibe. <laughs> too busy dancing on the court to actually run after the ball although I did have a very brief stint where I joined a Gaelic football team uh, oh. that was in, in my area I don't know what possessed me um but I like <laughs> went to training went to training a few times played in one played in one match I scored a point and then I was like right 
that's me done. We won the match. And I was like, right, lads, I'm out of here. And I left. And that was it for me. I was like, I went out on a high. We won. I scored a point. I was happy out and I never went back. <laughs> you peaked. Your sporting career peaked. That was it. I quit while I was there. Yeah. <laughs> that's good enough for me. I'm out of here. I'm going to go home and watch Saved by the Bell. Yay. <laughs> well, this is all why Cheryl is the most relatable person in Sweet Valley. I just, I genuinely don't think there isn't a person listening to this podcast who can't relate with some to some aspect of some aspect, surely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she politely says, instead of just staring at them blankly and going, "You know, not everybody plays sports," she just says with a friendly smile, "I'm not much of a sports person, but Project Youth sounds really interesting." And she starts to ask them about it, but Annie breaks in and says, "She was not a sports person." Yes, and that's oh my! If anyone said that to me, I'd want to slap them. And, oh, Jesus. Uh, she says, "But she's just, just moved here from New York. Do you know that her father's Walter Thomas, the famous photographer, and that she knows Rob Boyd?" Oh God! Again, it's so funny. As soon as you see the word "rhomboid," it's going to pop up like four more times on that page. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Annie is a bit like, uh, okay, and kind of Annie or yeah, sorry, Amy is a bit confused by this from Annie because she is just kind of like breaking into the conversation and kind of taking over um but uh yeah Annie kind of carries on and she's like oh yeah they played at her going away party and Cheryl's a great musician and she plays piano and there was an article about her and blah, 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 and kind of just babbles on about Cheryl instead of just letting Cheryl talk it's very weird and Cheryl's yes. embarrassed obviously like Amy and Barry don't know what to say uh and Amy and Barry eventually just kind of excuse themselves and just leave so Cheryl in fairness does <laughs> kind of call Annie up on it straight away and she's like look I don't think it's really necessary to tell them everything about me like I'm capable yeah. of carrying on a conversation by myself but it's like Annie is so stressed about Cheryl fitting in and like being accepted by the Sweet Valley crowd that she's just completely overcompensating and just like mm. jumping in and babbling as soon as she feels like they're on a topic that Cheryl wouldn't have anything to talk about it's like she's like she just doesn't trust that Cheryl knows how to talk to people and will be fine. So she keeps just jumping in like this. And like, it's again, the intentions are good, but it's just, yeah. there's no need for it. And she's just making things worse. Yes. And then Cheryl brings up the real elephant in the room. The, the guests who are not Annie's actual friends. Um, she says, there's something else I wanted to ask you about. And she looks a little troubled. She says, what gives with all these black, Asian and Hispanic kids here? I don't think I've seen this many people of colour since I got to Sweet Valley. And certainly not in one place. I'm not surprised to hear that. <laughs> and uh, she goes on to say, what's more? Every time I ask somebody who's white how they know you, it turns out that you do stuff with them after school. But every time I ask someone who isn't white the same question, it seems like all you have in common is that you have a class together or did once. I mean, in the case of Greg Washington, whoever he is never at all and Annie realizes um that yeah that what it must how it must look to Cheryl and to all the other kids she doesn't know too well and uh she realizes she was assuming Cheryl would be more comfortable with people who who aren't white and even if she if she did want to to hang around with other people of color she'd like to choose them for herself I'm sure she would like yeah just because like they're not white doesn't mean they're going to get along together by default like it was just yeah. like yeah Annie really just she overthought it and she was so worried about screwing up that now she has unfortunately mm. so she tried tries to cover and she's like oh they're all my friends and she doesn't really know what to say but like Cheryl knows it's bullshit because she's like yeah but some are better friends than others and Annie just kind of 
well, she runs off crying. It's the Sweet Valley Classic. She does, yes. So she runs into the kitchen and she bursts into tears. I was like, come on, Annie, do not make this all about you. Like, and that like, is that kind of, that fucking, it's the white woman tears. Like, it is her making yes. it, like, like she's the one who's being victimized here or something. And it's like, Annie, just fucking get your act together, will you? And yeah. just, just take this one on the chin, learn from it yeah. and move on. Like, is really what you, you need to do here. You weren't, you weren't sure it was the right thing to do. And now mm. you found... Now you know. <laughs> So, yeah. um, so later, Todd, Liz, and Robin chat about Annie's amazing spicy cooking because she's known for her salsa. And uh, Rosa approaches and uh, praise says how great Cheryl is. Said that they had a fabulous conversation about music because she and her mother have similar tastes. They both love Debussy. I mean, how did that come up? But anyway, um, <laughs> Rosa looks to the others and actually just says, "So, did any of you expect Cheryl to be black?" And um, Liz is like, well, Jessica knew who her dad was, so so he knew, and did, I guess you didn't. And Rose is like, no, and I don't think anyone else did. And Robin says, well, I told her it was a mistake not to tell anyone because now it looks like it's a big deal. And um, Rosa says, yeah, well, nobody said anything negative about Cheryl at all. Everyone seems to like her, but a lot of the kids were wonder why the fact that Annie kept why wonder why Annie kept the fact that Cheryl is black a secret and Annie or Rosa has uh, noticed that um, there's so many kids of colour here and um, li- uh, says it's pretty obvious Annie took pains to make the room look like a rainbow <laughs> and Liz is like oh I'm sure she didn't mean anything bad by it which you know only goes so far but mm. um uh, Rose is like, oh, I'm sure she didn't. After that incident with Pi Beta Alpha, Annie and I talked about my Mexican background, and I didn't get the sense that she had a problem with it, which is, it's that's fine, but like, people always make exceptions for friends anyway. Like, Nazis made, mm. I'm not saying Annie's a Nazi, she obviously isn't, but no. like, <laughs> Nazis made exceptions for friends. So, a lot of this book, there's like, well, she went out with, so, you know, with Tony Astaban yeah. or whatever. Like, that, that doesn't is mean anything. Absolutely yeah. irrelevant. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Todd observes that Cheryl is finding some kindred spirits and not unsurprisingly, one of them is Guy Chesney. Yeah, apparently uh, they've been chatting like mad because, of course, he plays a uh, keyboard for the droids. Yes. So they've just probably been chatting about music as well, I guess. And then Patty uh, comes along uh, and uh, yeah, she says that they've her and Cheryl uh, have been getting on really well, I think. Yeah. they. Um, well, Cheryl joins she... them then. She's just passing by. and Oh, that's heard... it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, she's she's, she, yeah, she's, she's heard about her. That's it. Yeah, because she had heard about um, Cheryl's piano playing. So she asks, "Has she ever accompanied uh, dancers uh, with her playing?" But uh, Cheryl's like, "No, I've never done that. Why are you a dancer?" And they end up kind of chatting about this piece that Patty is looking to choreograph at the minute, and she's hoping to. She's actually looking for a pianist who would work with her. So they kind of chat about music and the type of music that Patty is looking at using, and she's looking at um, incorporating some African music. She's been taking a Senegalese dance class and wants to kind of work some of the movements into this thing that she's working on and Cheryl kind of says you know she's more into classical usually but uh, that her like classes would have covered like world rhythms and she's familiar with African music she says she's some CDs of Nigerian and Senegalese pop so they, they're they going to have a chat about it and they kind of disappear off together to discuss this piece that Patty is choreographing so they do have some kind of nice common ground here and they do seem to just kind of hit it off and have like a yeah. project to work on together which is lovely like yeah it is lovely and Patty's cool like um mm. so uh yeah, this is a, this is a good development, and and reminder that Annie should just leave um, 
Cheryl to make her own friends. That's what I'm trying yeah. to force her to do things she's not into. So exactly. Liz leads them to their music chat and she goes to check what Annie's up to in the kitchen. And then she finds Annie slumped at the kitchen table crying with Robin patting her shoulder. And she's so miserable oh to speak. It's like, if you're going to have a little meltdown, I'm like, yes, okay, you feel shit. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't, like, go to your room for a few minutes and yeah. pull yourself together. Go the fuck upstairs in the room that you hate and sit there for that <laughs> <laughs> But, like, yeah, in the kitchen, it's like, come on, dude. Like, just, yeah. like, yes, feel your feelings. That's fine. But, like, it, it, there is a bit of martyrdom at play here as well. For oh, Maddie. very much so. So, um, yeah, Liz asks, like, where did you ask all those kids who you're not really friends with? And, and he admits it's sort of a mixture of good questioning, of good intentions and kind of self-questioning. Like, she didn't want Cheryl to sort of really obviously stand out at the party. Um, and she felt guilty that basically she doesn't have any friends of colour. And hmm. it makes her wonder whether I wasn't close friends with them because I was prejudiced. And like, yes, question these things, but don't make everybody else into your like little life experiment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then she says, and this is fair enough. She says, I talked about Cheryl's father because everyone kept asking her about sports and she isn't into sports. So I just wanted to give her something else to talk about. Oh, oh so uh, yeah, she's uh, she's like, I really blew it. And Liz like says, I think if you're so prejudiced, you never got out with Tony asked about meaningless, Liz, meaningless. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Robin's like, well, yeah. And as for not being close friends with the others, how many close friends do you have time for? I mean, you're part of the waspiest group in the entire school, but <laughs> yes, fair enough. Uh, Liz tries to comfort her uh, in a St. Liz style. And it's like, yeah, people have noticed there's a high proportion of kids of colour here, but they're not offended by it. They're just puzzled. And, um, and he's like, well, maybe that's true, but I don't think Cheryl's going to forgive me for embarrassing her. So we cut to Monday and Annie's determined to make things okay with Cheryl because they haven't really spoken since last night. But when she gets up, she finds Cheryl is very cheerful. She's ready for school. She has to go in early. Um, oh, it's Mona. That's Mrs. Whitman's name. Ah, Mona, yeah. <laughs> Mona's going to take her in to register at school. So she's not acting like she has an issue with Annie. So Annie's, you know, hopeful that things will be mm. okay. But um, but she's she's also, Cheryl's a little bit formal um so and he's wondering if any connection they made during sort of moving day has already been damaged and um so she thinks that maybe okay last night didn't work so maybe the best way for her to help Cheryl fit in is to include her in all the things I do after all I'm a pretty typical Californian I mean a very typical Sweet Valley Wasp, but I don't know about any wider <laughs> California. But like, why would you think this, Annie? She do- she showed she doesn't like the things you're into. True, yeah, and and when you kind of jump in and are all overbearing about, you know, these are the things you could be talking about with other kids. Like she doesn't like that. She was that's what she yeah. was embarrassed by more so than anything else last night. So like, yeah. just leave her alone. <laughs> like let her yes. get on with things. And if she asks for your help, then fine. But otherwise, just fucking stop making this her problem because it's your problem (laughs) well at school uh jessica uh pointlessly freaks for about two pages about a lost copybook uh at the lockers and uh heads off as cheryl arrives and liz um she's lost and liz offers to show her around of course Hmm. and also of (laughs) course noses into how she's feeling and says it's hard to be in a new school in the middle of the year i mean what middle what bit of the year when is this <laughs> where what's are happening? we what time is it what season is it who are we <laughs> i don't know what's well, going on <laughs> well also we're only like seven books away from the evil twin and is it the evil twin at christmas 
So. It is. You're right. So, I mean, <laughs> I guess it's like we've come back after summer. But then if we're still in junior year, does that mean everything has happened in like four oh. months? No, this doesn't make any sense. It's getting like dark. There's too many timelines and alternate universes. <laughs> it's way too much to keep straight. Like, good luck to anybody trying to establish any kind of meaningful timeline here because I cannot. <laughs> well, of course, Liz gets personal and asks how, you know, what's, how are things with uh, Mrs. Whitman and Annie? And Cheryl reveals that her, she's on her own with them now and she just feels a bit like she doesn't belong here. It's meant to be her house too, but she just feels very alone and... Liz says, well, I know Annie wants to make you feel at home, but that's, as Cheryl says, that's just the problem. One minute she's really nice and friendly and I feel like I'm at home. The next minute she's treating me like like an alien or something in a zoo. Like last night, she invited all those black kids and the Asian kids, but she barely knows some of them. And she starts talking about my father like she's showing me off. And Liz could like defend Annie while also acknowledging Cheryl's distress, but she doesn't. She like, she, instead of going, yeah, that's really rough I'm like I hear you she's like yeah. well she didn't mean anything by it straight away and Cheryl's like look I know that but the problem is that she just doesn't understand what it's like to be black being black may seem weird to her but it's not to me and she talks about the fact that this is the first time in her life she's ever felt like a, she's a minor in a minority because she's been in a really international school well, this is it. Like when she, where she grew up, like in New York, there was loads of different types of people, like in the school that she went to. And obviously her, her dad's friends were all like a, a mix of people. Uh, so it just wasn't ever like a thing that she'd be in a, a room full of white kids, I suppose. There was always kind of a good balance of people yeah. uh, in uh, terms of their backgrounds and that. And yeah, she's just, yeah, obviously Sweet Valley is, and Liz does admit that Sweet Valley must be a big change after all that. And she's like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And she realizes that she lived a sheltered life in um, uh, in in New York. Um, and Liz is like, well, people don't usually think that about, you know, New York in the 80s. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I know what people say about it. But like she lived, she, she went to this very comfortable school where there were people from Europe, from Latin America, from Africa. Like it was um, it was genuinely diverse. Now she's in the waspiest <laughs> town on earth. <laughs> And she's her voice breaks as she says, like, you know, it's like she's in a different country and she really likes Mona and she's happy for her dad, but she can't go back to her own life. And sometimes I'll give anything to go back. She says on Saturday morning, I went out for a walk and a white woman who was out watering her lawn stood and stared at me as I walked by her house. I said good morning to her, but she didn't even say hello. Oh, God, like that is horrible. Yeah. And Liz says, I wish she wished she or Liz thinks she wished she could do something about it and says, I'm sorry that happened to you. Says, for what it's worth, I don't think most of the people in Sweet Valley are like that. You literally had a racist beating in your fucking <laughs> school. A like, literal hate crime, not like within the last, what, what 10, 15 books? Like, yeah. seriously. And Come like, on. and it's it's not for Liz to say most of the people in Sweet Valley aren't like that because yeah. she doesn't know, like, yes. as a white, white girl, like, she doesn't know what it's like for kids of colour in this town. Like she simply no. doesn't. She can't say everybody's nice here because, mm. uh, like, it's that white woman would not have given her a funny look. If this is won't. the thing. Like they're they're nice to you and your sister because you know you're the Wakefields and everybody's mad about <laughs> you. But like for anyone who's in any way different, like she simply yeah. could not speak to that experience. Like so, she yeah. shouldn't pretend like she can. So she says that like she did actually like most of the people she met at the party, even though they were incredibly surprised to see she was black. <laughs> but you know, she had a lot of common with some of them. 
like I I do wonder why she hasn't uh, like met uh, Olivia, another or mm. day, you know some of the more bohemian crowd, um, but uh, they hear a voice calling Cheryl and Liz sees her face tighten um, because it's Annie and Liz has to go and leave her in Annie's clutches. And uh, uh, Annie's got a full schedule planned for poor old Cheryl. Oh God, yeah, she's um, she's kind of like yeah, because Liz kind of wishes Cheryl like a good first day, and then Annie's like, oh, I'm going to make sure of that. I thought we'd have lunch on the lawn, and what do you say about going to the Dairy Burger after school? And like Cheryl's eyes do widen, but she kind of just smiles and says, yeah, sounds good. Uh, and Liz kind of walks away, thinking, okay, Cheryl, please give Annie a chance, but also Annie, yeah. fucking take it easy on Cheryl because she is clearly just going to schedule oh. this poor girl's life within an inch of, of of whatever free minutes she has and like it's just like just leave her alone Annie like she's fine she can talk to people herself she's well able yeah that's the thing it's like she's um uh, she's she's just being she's killing her with kindness now yeah so we cut to Friday and Walter is home from shooting Rob Boys. <laughs> it turns out they were great, but their PR caused a lot of problems. So they decide to have a barbecue and they all start preparing the food. And he asks what they've been up to in his absence. And um, Cheryl says that uh, Annie's been making sure I keep busy and meet people. And Annie thinks that Cheryl sounds less than 100% happy about that. And... Uh, uh, Cheryl continues to tell of all of her activities and she does it in a more good-humoured way than I think I would be if I'd been <laughs> sort of bra- dragged around to all these activities. Yeah, that's it. Because she kind of lists off like what she's been up to all week. Uh, and at one point she mentions surfing and her dad is like, surfing? And he's clearly very surprised by this. And Cheryl kind of laughs and she's like, yeah, can you imagine me on a surfboard? It's like, I got my first lesson. And again, Annie jumps in and she's like, yeah, and she did absolutely great. You wouldn't believe your eyes. And... Cheryl actually probably did enjoy it I think or Annie kind of realizes that Cheryl yeah probably actually did enjoy herself that day but like she has also just been dragging her around all week long to all these things and apparently that night they're going to Guido's for a pizza but they're literally making a barbecue for dinner so I don't know how they're going to fit all this food in this evening I mean some of these teens have hollow legs it has to be said (laughs) just legs full of pizza (laughs) so uh, yeah um Liz, uh, or sorry, Miss Walter asks, has Cheryl, you know, made any friends or met some kids from school? And Cheryl says enthusiastically that uh, he, uh, she, she met a bunch of kids who played a band called the Droids. And Walter says they don't sound much like your kind of music. How he knows this, I don't know. Uh, but she <laughs> says she hasn't heard them play either. Uh, but she's talked to them and they know what they're doing and they write their own songs. And Guy is really sound like he's been tra- he's got he's classically trained and he's as comfortable mm. playing jazz or rock as he is with most. Mozart and uh, she also tells him about Patty and working on her with her dancing um, and uh, she she can't wait till her piano uh, gets there but um, mm. there there is a delay but there things should be there by the middle of the week yeah so they head out to to start grilling things on the barbecue and Annie starts banging on about Pi Beta Alpha and uh, saying you're showing a lot of my friends and Cheryl kind of feigns politely feigns interest in them mm. I mean feigning is definitely the word definitely yeah she kind of just says oh you know they're nice girls I haven't had a chance to spend much time with them yet mm. and Annie does notice that she doesn't sound as enthusiastic talking about this as she did when she was chatting about Guy or Patty because of course they're the friends that she's made herself the people that she has yeah. chosen to get to know better rather than the girls that like or the people that Annie is just kind of like forcing her into hanging out with so um, Annie then says, oh, Cheryl is thinking about joining PBA. And like, 
like Walter and Mona kind of exchange a glance and he's like oh is that so and then like Annie kind of carries on and it's like oh and we're going to a football game tomorrow so that does kind of I guess moves the conversation on a bit which is probably good because it's a uh, Walter's a bit like god are you sure about that yeah. <laughs> himself but um they end up talking about football anyway because it's going to be her first Cheryl's first football game uh so he's all excited for her and he's kind of starts reminiscing about his own first game when he was in college and was he they were playing yeah. Columbia or something I don't know oh he's but, in uh, he was in Columbia oh that's what it was yeah uh, but, they, but yeah oh <laughs> Well, Cheryl, Mrs. Whitman asks, are you looking forward to it, Cheryl? And Cheryl looks around and the corners of her lips turn up a little. Rah, she said glumly. I, know, she said, I love you, Cheryl. Yes, I yeah, my notes were like, that's actually gas, to be fair. See, she's the most relatable character. She truly is. She's she's very much like a reader stand in in a lot of ways where it's just like, is this fucking town for real? Like, what are you all talking about? <laughs> So uh, we cut to the match itself where Stephen is cheering on Sweet Valley High. Apparently he's distracting himself for the fact he hasn't got a letter from Cara in weeks. So he's there with Todd, Liz and Cheryl because of course Annie is cheering. Liz and Todd oh, yeah. head to the concession stand and again relatable. Uh, as soon as they go, Cheryl pulls out a book from her tote bag and starts reading and um, Stephen jokes, oh, there's a penalty for reading during the match. And she fucking apologises to him. And she says, I'm not into football. I think I'll leave early. I mean, one, one, um, <laughs> Cheryl. But Stephen says, look, no, you you know, Annie's, you're going to have to at least see a cheer uh, or two because Annie's going to ask how you like it, how you like them. And it's a long way home. And she's like, oh, the teams are great for him this year. And Cheryl doesn't give a fuck. And rightly <laughs> so. Yeah, she doesn't care because like, also like she doesn't know anything about football. So she's just like, I can't tell what's going on down there. It looks like a load of guys in big padded suits and helmets. They hang around for a while, line up, smash into each other and then do it all over again. So Stephen kind of laughs and he's like, yeah, I suppose it could look like that if you don't know much about it. So they do kind of chat about football and Stephen's like, yeah, "Yeah, you know, I play with friends, but not like on any teams or anything. Um, So he offers to explain some of the rules. And Cheryl, I guess she's just trying to get into the spirit of things. She's like, yeah, Grant, Mm. why not? So he basically just talks her through the game pretty much oh fucking play by play as it goes. Uh, so yeah, they just he just kind of gives her a running commentary explaining as the game plays out in front of them. Oh my God, it goes on for so <laughs> long. I'm not joking. Like seriously, it is pages and pages and pages. And uh, yeah, I don't know how she puts up with them. At one stage, we're told that Stephen was uh, thoroughly enjoying his role as teacher and um, at the, before half time, Stephen asks if she wants more advanced lesson, and she speaks for all of us when she groans and leans forward, resting her head on her knees. She doesn't think her brain to take in anymore. But I know, like to us, it sounds like an absolute nightmare. But Cheryl does seem to be kind of enjoying herself more than she was previously, yeah, uh, because like her and Stephen do seem to be getting along. And, That's true. Uh, you know, she does seem to just kind of enjoy the kind of back and forth and chat yeah. with Stephen. Um, and she does. So you know, she does thank that. him. <laughs> She does, yeah. <laughs> she says that if it wasn't for him, she'd have gone home early and felt sorry for herself. Mm. And uh, he jokes like, oh, now you know about football, life in Sweet Valley should be a breeze. And uh, <laughs> then he realises that he she actually looks kind of sad. And he's like, don't you like Sweet Valley? And Ooh. she says, well, I do and I, I don't. Like, it's just so different. And 
he uh, he's like, well, you know, I, I probably feel the same way in New York. But then Cheryl makes a very important point, and in fairness to him, he 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 listens to her because she says there's something else about Sweet Valley. There aren't many African Americans here. And Stephen laughs and said, "When did you first start to notice that?" But then he saw immediately this was important to her and says, "Look, I wasn't laughing at you. You know, I'm sorry. Like, please believe me. And do you feel that there not being black kids here is a problem for you?" And Cheryl says, "Well, yes and no." Which is because um, she says she hasn't felt any hostility, but she mm. still feels like she sticks out, and she never felt that way in uh, in New York. Yeah. Um, but she does in California. And Stephen points out, well, you wouldn't in L.A., which is fair yeah, enough. Again, a fair point. And he's just like, yeah, I guess Sweet Valley is different uh, to like those kind of bigger cities. But he just uh, he does say that like once you start getting to know the kids here, you'll find everyone's really friendly. You'll probably be surprised at the diversity around here. And like, I think we'd all be surprised at any kind of diversity <laughs> in this fucking town, to be fair. <laughs> um, you and me both, Cheryl. <laughs> But uh, yeah, then Stephen does make a comment like, oh, if you know, if you get sick of, of L.A. Or, or get sick of sick of Sweet Valley and start pining for big cities, you can hop in the car and drive to L.A. where we get another poor Cheryl is like she's having to explain to every single person she meets that she doesn't have a license or a car. But um, in fairness to Stephen, he doesn't, you know, recoil in horror at her, <laughs> um, but uh, does say that he'll be back the following weekend. And if she wants, he'll take her to get her permit on Friday afternoon. So she's like, oh, my God, that'd be brilliant. So then he offers uh, to to help her learn to drive, basically, and mm. says, you know, we can go for a spin around the car park and you can practice the basics. Uh, there'll be nobody around Sweet Valley High on Sunday, so you won't have to worry about running over anybody or anything. So Cheryl is properly delighted at this um, yeah. because, you know, it, it'd be one less thing to have people fucking react weirdly about (laughs) and clearly it is something she's going to have to do if she wants to live in this ridiculous sprawly town Mm. um so she's she's happy out so he is he is going to help her out anyway with this whole driving situation so you know that is nice of him and they do seem to get along well so that is kind of true but again she's 16 and i bet everyone in sweet valley university like i bet there were notes written about steven on the back of toilet doors if uh it was like my college in the 90s warning girls off of just saying like he only goes out with with high school girls <laughs> so true he simply has never gone near a college girl has he like it's just oh 16 you say just get away steven stop it <laughs> he's like matthew mcconaughey and days are confused so uh <laughs> So uh, we cut to, I guess it's later that day, because uh, apparently she doesn't need to give the get the equivalent of like a provisional, you know, mm. license to in order to learn how to drive, because uh, he's teaching her in the Sweet Valley parking lot, and she feels very proud. And she's going to get her learner's permit next week. Um, so she thanks him for the football tips and the driving lesson and says, you know, she hasn't really made any friends yet. And she really appreciates him reaching out to her. And he starts saying like, oh, it was hard for me. We went to college. I had to open up and make the first move. And it's like, it's this is not the same, Stephen. No, you this is like very, very different. <laughs> a white upper middle class or middle class college boy mm. in a probably pretty white college. Although actually we do discover it has a black students union when we read the SVU book. So maybe it's oh. obviously more diverse than the town. But um, uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure he is in, in the majority there. It is not the same as Cheryl mm. moving halfway across the country. Like he's, he's in college five seconds down the road. He's never, he's going to just pop back and forth. <laughs> 
But um, she thinks it sounds pretty risky because you never know when someone's going to reject you or make fun of you. But he's like, you took a risk today, nearly having this driving lesson. You survived. Mm-hmm. So it's we cut to Sunday and Annie is trying and failing to study. She's glad that Cheryl is out with Stephen because um, she realises that she's been trying really hard to get Annie to come along with her and her friends. But Annie has been an, un, uh, has been an indifferent participant at best. And she thinks the only thing she seemed to like was surfing. And she starts basically going mad and thinking like, maybe I can get her a subscription to a surfing mag- magazine. Maybe we'll just go to the beach all the time. And uh, she realises that she's losing her mind and the phone <laughs> rings and uh it's robin and she admits that she has been screening her calls but that's because she's afraid of tony oh who, yeah she's still kind of dodging tony uh and she admits as much to robin when uh when she answers the phone she's like oh i was just screening calls she's like oh hiding from tony again uh mm-hmm. but like robin's absolutely right so um yeah they're kind of chatting oh yeah he, she asks if um if, if Annie has been talking to Tony at all or lately or yeah. has he been calling a lot or what's the story? So she kind of says, no, like after they had their chat in the Dairy Burger, he's actually been leaving her alone. Um, so it's like he hasn't been calling her, but she has been seeing him a lot at school. Um, apparently, like she keeps bumping into him or something. Uh, and at one point... Uh, I care about <laughs> this Tony business. I know, fuck's sake, it's ridiculous. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. I think at one point she introduced him to Cheryl because uh, she was with her when she bumped into him. And... Yeah, yes. she was like, yeah, Robin asks how that went. And she's like, Annie was like, oh, and, you know, nothing really happened. I just said, Cheryl, this is Tony. He's a friend of mine. And Robin's like, oh, why didn't you tell her he's your boyfriend? And he's like, because he's not anymore. And it's like, yeah, Robin, what are you talking yeah. about? Like, he is not her boyfriend. And why are you so mad for them to get back together? It's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't understand it. It is mad. Like, because she's so passionate about it. And it just mm. does not make sense. Like, why do you care? Um, and... Uh, then she uh, Annie reveals that she's been trying to find things that she and Cheryl can do together. It's like why why do you have to do them together? She's clearly able to find her own mm. stuff. Like she she has interests which are the sort of yeah. things that she can connect with people like Guy or Patty or uh, you know the other more creative uh, sweet valiants. Mm. And Annie realizes or reveals that she hasn't been having much fun either. Like she actually doesn't want to be out doing stuff every night. She wants to just chill. And Robin is like, well, you know, Cheryl will find her own friends. Yes. Um, but <laughs> Rob, um, but Annie says, but she's got to make the right friends at school. And, you know, how is she going to do that? And Annie asks Robin if, she, if she's going to go to the Pi Beta Alpha meeting at Lila's tonight. And Robin is, except uh, Robin is not in Pi Beta Alpha because we might remember they blackballed her and she refused to join them. Yeah, this was so confusing. I was like, did I forget something where Robin actually did end up in PBA? Because the whole point of Power Play was that at the end she turned around and was like, no, fuck you. I'm not actually joining your stupid sorority now. You're all yeah. a bunch of pricks. So like, yeah, I, I don't understand. But for the purposes of this book, for some reason, Robin is in Pi Beta yeah. Alpha and is going to a meeting that night uh, in Lila's house. Yeah, it's very strange. Mm. So uh, Annie finds a cheerful uh, Cheryl who tells her about a driving lesson with Stephen. And um, Annie says, like, she bets she, Cheryl can't wait till her furniture arrives because apparently there's another delay um, mm. with the uh, with the delivery. And Cheryl already has plans and she, she wants to do some quite dramatic things. She's going to tear down the wallpaper. She's going to repaint the walls with a glossy finish glossy on walls anyway um mm. and then she's got to get vertical blinds for the windows because the sun is too bright and Annie's like if this was my room I wouldn't change a thing but she assumes that Cheryl picked the room so she must like it 
And then Annie has some news for Cheryl about what they're going to do that night. Oh, God. Yeah. So she tells her that she's going to a meeting that night, uh, a PBA meeting, and that she's going to propose Cheryl for membership, if that's okay with you. And Cheryl, like, she frowns and says, maybe it's a little soon, Annie. So, like, take the hint, Annie, and just leave her alone. (laughs) Because she does say, look, I've met some of your sorority friends, but I haven't had a chance to get them to get to know them that well. But Annie's like, yeah, that's why you should join as soon as possible, because when you're a member, you'll get to know them all really well. and Then you'll have a great group of friends to do things with. And again, I do see Annie's logic here, but like, Cheryl's getting on fine like she's already making friends it's just something that takes a bit of time it doesn't happen instantly so just leave her off it's all fine (laughs) and Cheryl also points out that she doesn't really like doing things in a big group um so yeah she's just kind of like you know is is this even a good idea like have you actually talked to them about this yet but Annie's like oh Jessica thinks it's a great idea uh but like Cheryl is just completely unenthusiastic about this whole thing quite clearly so but Annie just refuses to take any kind of hint or lead from Cheryl unfortunately so she's just like she just keeps pushing it and she's like so can I tell the PBAs you want to be a member and she's like please say yes she kind of thinks to herself and Cheryl like listlessly says go ahead and Annie's like you won't regret this and it's like Annie just leave her alone like she so clearly does not want to join this stupid fucking sorority just let it go but she just has it in her head that this is the right thing for Cheryl to do so she's just she's just adamant unfortunately <laughs> the thing is it's like later on we're sort of told you know if only they'd both been honest with each other there's so much communication reading signals it's like she was pretty explicit Cheryl was like this is not my sort of thing you know I appreciate it but like yeah and Annie really forces us like you should join as soon as possible then you'll have all these friends and you know Mm. it's even the fact that um annie says that or sorry cheryl says that she doesn't like to do things in a big group all the time that's pretty explicit explicit can you be exactly she's being very clear here that she doesn't want to do this but and she's very clearly just kind of going along with it out of politeness and if annie just opened her eyes for a second or stopped to think it would be pretty clear that that's the case here and that she should just drop it so eventually when she says you know like can I tell the PBAs you want to be a member? Uh, Cheryl says, listlessly, sure, go ahead. It's like, I mean, really? Come on. Just read the room, Annie. (laughs) We cut to Fowler Crest, where Liz arrives and hands her lightweight jacket to the butler. And uh, Liz is basically only there to stop them being awful about Cheryl. And uh, I wish she was warning Cheryl against them. Truly, I know. It's like she's, she's, she's literally there for damage control, but like... Yeah, she should just be talking some sense into Annie, really, because mm. like Cheryl just does not want any part of this. But uh, but this is what's happening, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, she, like Liz thinks like she doesn't tell Jessica, but she's worried some of the current sorority sisters might try to keep Cheryl out of Pi Beta Alpha because she's black. Why would you even like why wouldn't you tell Cheryl to just run like the wind? Like, why would you yeah. even possibly enable her to to end up in a situation where she's surrounded by these racists. But um, anyway, Lila starts the meeting and uh, she makes a little jibe about some people who don't turn up very often being there. And they discuss (laughs) a pool party in a few days at Suzanne's house. She's clearly taking the racist bitch role here instead of Lila. And uh, Suzanne doesn't even want non-PBAs to come, but um, everybody else does. Uh, And the other, uh, like, there's there's another agenda item on the agenda, which is whether they want a Pi Beta Alpha banner. But then Jean says she'd like to propose Stacy Cabot for membership, and uh, Suzanne isn't impressed. 
Yeah, uh, Suzanne is clearly just, just not only is she racist, she's also just a bitch to everybody, it seems like, mm. because she's like, oh, is she really up to our intellectual level? Uh, and Liz kind of is annoyed by this and thinks to herself, if brains were a requirement for membership, there'd be a lot fewer people in this room right now. But um, yeah, Jean apparently just kind of stares at Suzanne and points out that this girl Stacy is in the honour society. But um, yeah, so Suzanne is just kind of a bitch about everybody, really. Mm. But um Lila kind of regains control of the meeting and says that this is not the time to determine whether someone's appropriate for membership. You know, the rules are if, if the majority of members accept a name for nomination, then we interview the candidate. Like it kind of just runs through what we kind of already know about this sorority already, like the whole thing that Rosa had to go through. Um, that, you know, you whatever interview her and then you get them to do the pledge tasks and do little or whatever, then we yeah. decide whether we're going to accept her. But um then at that point Annie puts her hand up and just says that she wants to propose Cheryl for membership. Um, and Lila's like, oh yeah, she's only been in the school for a week, hasn't she? But Annie kind of pleads Cheryl's case, says that she'll bring a lot to PBA. She's sophisticated. She's from New York. Uh, mm. And then Jess kind of starts yelling at stuff about her famous dad, who's a photographer, knows rhomboid. <laughs> 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 Which all kind of swings things uh, for her. But um, yeah, so again, Suzanne is like, oh, well, that's all very nice. But, you know, Annie, are you sure this is a good idea? And Annie gets a bit not even defensive she kind of gets a little aggressive with Suzanne because she's like why shouldn't it be um yeah and Suzanne is like you know I've only met her once but Cheryl's just a little bit different from us don't you think and it's like uh. Annie if if Suzanne if you even have the slightest feeling that Suzanne is going to be like this about Cheryl why would you want her to be in this sorority yes. like I know it's like, just why would, you want, why would you do this to why would you put her in a room with this bitch like that Cheryl shouldn't have to deal with this exactly like that's the thing is you know, you know that what these people are like. You know what they were like with poor Rosa, uh, mm. who again, like Robin, your best friend, supposedly turned them down when they mm-hmm. paid to uh, to let her into their uh, inner circle, um, and uh, and you're still going along with this. So it is it is very frustrating, but yeah, um, yeah she uh, she's she she says that uh, she actually is really open. She says, are you telling, saying you don't want her in Pi Beta Alpha because she's black? And Suzanne is like, oh, don't be so sensitive. We aren't allowed to discriminate now, are we? You've read the rules, I hope. And then says, didn't we offer membership to Rose? I mean, Rose Jameson. You, she did, however, turn us down. You'd think she would have been grateful to be a member of Pi Beta Alpha. And Sandy uh, Bacon says, she didn't join because you didn't exactly make her feel welcome and you know that. And, um, Liz is glad to see people sharing, sticking up for Cheryl and remembers that, uh, you know, Sandy is going out with Manuel and Elizabeth had heard that a few by pie beaters weren't too happy about her dating with him, dating him. These are a bunch of white supremacists. Like, why would you encourage Cheryl or even like not, not only to join them, but why would you warn her against them? Like, they've got a history know, like, of active racism. But Honestly, like, you should be helping Cheryl get as far away from this group as possible more so than anything else. Like, yeah, because my notes at this point just say, why is anyone in this horrible society? Like, it's just awful. Yeah. Well, they, uh, Lila demands a show of hands uh, for nominating Cheryl and all but a few pie beaters. Who are those bitches? Yeah. Raise their hands. So Lila decides they should be interviewed at Suzanne's swim party on Friday. Hmm. And uh, then they go back to discuss the important issue of uh, having a banner. And this side <laughs> thinks it was going to be a long meeting. Oh, God. It does sound very 
dull, to be fair. It does. <laughs> well, that's the meat again. Suzanne really lets the mask drop. Not that it was much of a mask to begin with. Um, <laughs> and uh, comes up to Annie and uh, mentions Cheryl and says, because of her background, her background is a little different from most of ours, it would probably be a good idea to have as many pie beaters as possible in favour of her membership, don't you think? And Annie's like, what the fuck is this about? And then uh, Annie uh, just tries to... Um, is sort of on her guard but Suzanne quickly changes the subject to the pool party and is like oh I don't know what to do about the food for the party I've spent all my allowance for the next two weeks I don't know where I'm going to get the money to buy the stuff we'll need for dinner and Annie realises very quickly uh, that this is not a question of money Suzanne is blackmailing her yeah, pretty much. That's that's quite explicitly what Suzanne is up to here. So uh, this is it. She's kind of like, oh, do you have any ideas what I might do? And Annie knows what she's up to. So she knows like Suzanne is going to get her to buy and prepare all the food for this swim party where there's like loads of people coming to it. And that, it, and that if she doesn't do it, uh, she's going to vote against Cheryl and probably try and talk other people into doing the same thing. So it is straight up like buy and prepare all the food for this party. And then I'll like, you know, go along with this whole Cheryl thing uh, for uh, for her to become a member like and it is it's extremely shitty and like at this point Annie should just be like do you know what this is not worth the fucking hassle I'm out but unfortunately she's doing all she can she feels like it's more important for Cheryl to feel like she belonged uh, than for for this to to be an issue so she kind of says look she's going to go along with it so she just says look I'd be happy to help you out hating every word she's saying because she Uh knows this is bullshit but she's just that determined to get Cheryl into this horrendous fucking sorority Why? Uh, that she's she's going to go along with it and just try and placate Suzanne to get her on side but like like I just I don't know why this isn't the most giant red flag <laughs> to Annie to just fucking run in the opposite direction but here we are oh my god it's like I mean I guess we're just gonna have to accept that Annie is defying all logic and compassion hmm. in this whole yes. thing she's, she's just a monomaniac so, uh, yeah, she's going to go along with Suzanne's blackmailing. And we cut to Wednesday where Liz and Todd are leaving Sweet Valley High and uh, they see Rosa and offer her a lift. Um, so she accepts and they, as they're driving out, they offer Cheryl a lift. But she says she wants to walk because she used to walk to school um, and back every day in New York. So she wants to try it here. And that was only three quarters of a mile each way. And Todd says it's at least three miles to the house. How big is yeah, this catchment area? Sprawly towns. There's everything is planned around having a car. Like you can't walk anywhere in these towns. It's ridiculous. But uh, yeah, so Cheryl kind of changes her mind when she hears that. She's like, right, fuck this. I'm hopping in the car. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Liz wants to know if there's any update on her stuff from New York. And again, it's it's still being delayed. And like everything is just taking ages. So like poor Cheryl, just like let alone the fact that she's just in this weird town. She doesn't have any of her stuff, like which is oh. really annoying. Uh, and she's meant to just kind of work, you know, play on her piano when she can't. So she kind of laments the fact that her fingers are getting rusty and she can feel it happening. So Rosa then offers uh, that she could come over to her house because her mom won't be home until after five and she practices in the evening. So the piano is free in her gaff, basically. So Cheryl's delighted by this. Uh, and uh, Rosa invites Liz to come with them, too. She says, you, you and I can relax while Cheryl entertains us. So, uh, yeah, they head off to uh, to Rosa's house and um, dropped off by Todd, who doffs an imaginary chauffeur's <laughs> cap. And Cheryl plays some melancholy uh, melodies and the girls are wowed. And uh, then they, uh, Rosa jokingly asks for something more cheerful. But Cheryl says she isn't feeling all that cheerful. 
And Liz sympathetically asked, you can imagine, she'd love to do a show to <laughs> Springs into wasn't. action. <laughs> she flings herself across the room to the piano. <laughs> but um, she says, do amazing New York and your friends. But um, Cheryl says, well, yeah, but it's like Annie's been taking herself, taking her around all week and last week, but she's just, uh, she doesn't you know, go into details, but Liz had been concerned about the way Annie is pushing Cheryl to participate in activities that just aren't her thing. And mm. Liz asks if she's, you know, sort of diplomatically, but you know, she's just fishing for more misery uh, <laughs> if she's enjoying it. And Cheryl admits, well, look, going to the mall with 10 other girls isn't really my thing. And then Rosa, who really is a straight talker, uh, says, I don't know if you want to talk about this, Cheryl, but does it have anything to do with the fact that you're black and most of Sweet Valley isn't? Yeah, like fair play to Rosa. She's straight to the point and like she can speak to some of that experience because of her whole book storyline as well. Um, but uh, yeah, she, I think, is it Liz kind of says, yeah. Rosa might be a good person to talk to, but like stay out of it, Liz. It doesn't concern yeah. <laughs> you. She just has to get involved. Yeah. Uh, and it's so funny because like Rosa's right there. But again, Liz has to be the one to say all this. She's like, you know, uh, if, if you want to talk to her, you know, her parents are Mexican. And when Rosa first moved here, she was concerned about people's reactions. Um, so Cheryl is kind of surprised by this, I think, and kind of starts to say, God, you don't look. And then kind of pauses. And Rosa laughs and she's kind of like, yeah, look, I know I, I don't look like a Chicana are her words. And she's like, that's true. But I am. My parents changed their name from Jimenez to Jameson. So she kind of quickly recaps her own book storyline yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Cheryl smiles wryly and says, well, I couldn't deny my ancestry even if I wanted to, but, you know, not that I do. Um, And uh, Rosa says, yeah, well, you know, sometimes people aren't comfortable with who you really are and says that she was thinking of of joining PBA. But when Mm. she found out that some of the girls in the sorority would be happy if I went on pretending my background was English, I decided not to join. And Cheryl just says, are you sorry about you didn't join? And I was like, not at all. I mean, rightly so, Rosa, you didn't. Narrow (laughs) fucking escape from that crew. Um, So Cheryl, of course, remembers that Liz was at this meeting on Sunday. And Liz says, well, look, I don't really you know, I'm not into it, but Jessica kind of persuaded me to go along, but I don't really have anything in common with these girls. Um, And Cheryl says, well, Jessica doesn't seem to have any trouble with my being black. And Liz is like, well, no, she doesn't. And if you want to join Pi Beta Alpha, you'll find that most of the members don't either. I mean, most is not good enough. No, it truly isn't. Most will tolerate you, in inverted commas. Like, fuck's sake. Like, why should you have to spend any time with those people at that rate of going? Like, it's kind of ridiculous. And then she says, I have to wonder whether the few girls in PBA who might not want you to join just have a problem with people who are different for any reason, not just ethnic background. You don't find them calling me up and begging me to come to their meetings. Ha 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 ha. Oh, like, stop it, Liz. Stop comparing yourself. This is not the same. Shut up. (laughs) These bitches try to keep the one uh, fat girl in Sweet Valley Mm -hmm. out and then literally told Rosa they'd prefer it if she pretended she wasn't from a Mexican background. So uh, they're all terrible. But anyway, Liz, uh, it's all running late. So Liz and Cheryl have to head back to Calico Drive. And on the way back, somebody pulls up on their their walking home because they're quite near. Uh, So they're able to walk for once. (laughs) But who should pull up with them on his bike? But Tony. 
There you go. Yeah. So he stops and kind of chats with them for a bit. And uh, Liz introduces him to Cheryl and he's like, yeah, yeah, we met in school. How are you doing? Um, But he asks about Annie. Uh, He asks Cheryl about Annie and Cheryl's like, oh, yeah, she's fine. And Cheryl's a bit puzzled by this. Uh, So Liz kind of has to jump in and explain that Annie and Tony used to go out. And Tony's like, oh, did she tell you that? And Tony kind of realizes, oh, God, she must be really upset with me. Uh, And he kind of just runs through that he broke up with Annie a while ago for the wrong reasons. And he wants to get back with her, but she's avoiding him. Um, So Liz is like, just give it more time. So yeah, he kind of pedals off anyway. They say goodbye or whatever. So it's really just because it's you know it's, it's I guess it's unusual at this stage for Annie not to have told Cheryl that you know anything about Tony at all. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Liz kind of starts considering telling Cheryl about the reason Annie and Tony had broken up, and it's oh like my God. just stay out of it, Liz. <laughs> it's so like it's not really my business. <laughs> it's like if Annie hasn't told her yet, she must have a reason, and I shouldn't interfere. It's like that is simply not your thing ever so what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah that's what I'd say where does that stop you never <laughs> truly <laughs> ever no that's no there's no stopping her <laughs> well they find um, Annie working in the garden and outside and uh, Cheryl tells um, tells her that they were in Rose's house and of course Annie's worried that Cher- Rosa might have told her about the, three, the PBAs being a massive bunch of racists and <laughs> then Cheryl tell, says that they met Tony too and all thoughts of PBA fly from Annie's mind and she she's uh, like oh what did you say and she was like eh, nothing much but like i didn't know you would you know he was you had a recently ex-boyfriend and she offers to talk about it and Annie bears all and they they bond um because cheryl also was cheated on by uh, hmm. with her her ex cheated on because he didn't want to be tied down to one girl and basically she says like tony's different it sounds like he really misses you a lot even cheryl tried to get her back with tony what the fuck <laughs> everybody's team tony and i don't understand it <laughs> maybe they're worried he'll go on a void rampage again. <laughs> oh god just keep him sweet god damn it annie <laughs> <laughs> so Annie's been overwhelmed but um, she says oh look, look I don't want to talk about him anymore why don't you and me go to the mall and get a new bathing suit for you to wear to the swim party and Cheryl gets honest um, she says look I talked about Rose about her experiences with PBA and she wasn't too thrilled about them and like, I just don't think it's a good idea for me to get involved and uh, Annie's like um, I don't know why Rose is not, not joining should have anything to do with you I mean given the reason she didn't join there's a lot. Yeah, it's quite relevant to uh, to Cheryl, in fairness, Annie. Like, you can't really explain this one away as like, oh, people are just different. It's like, no, no, listen yeah. to her, please. But yeah, she's like, you know, oh, Liz and Jess and I, a lot of the girls really want you to join. And like, Cheryl just has no interest in this. But Annie just, again, pleads with her and is like, please just come to the swim party and maybe then make up your mind. So Cheryl, you know, has a mischievous look on her face. And she's Ooh. like, all right, I'll make a deal with you. She's like, you told me this is like an open party. She said, look, I'll go if you invite Tony. Uh, because again, for some reason, everyone's team Tony. Uh, so Annie's like, oh God, why does everyone keep reminding me about Tony? Um, why? Why indeed? I know. Like in fairness to Annie, yeah, like why won't they leave her alone about this? But uh, but yeah, Cheryl Cheryl won't budge on this deal. So Annie has to, to submit to these terms and says, all right, fine, you win. It's a deal. So um, we cut to the party where Jessica is shocked to see that Annie made all the food. And Cheryl says, yeah, I keep telling her it's too much she's been cooking for days and of course Annie hasn't told everybody about the blackmailing um, yeah. 
And uh, she thinks next week Cheryl will be a PBA sister and she'll never have to let Suzanne push her around again. Um, so everyone's praising her cooking, but then she's she's distracted. She's looking around for Tony because she knows he's here somewhere. And then he taps her on the shoulder and her heart flutters as Cheryl's Todd, Liz and Sam and Jessica all sneak away to leave the two of them. So I guess we can skim this. It's like Tony basically yeah. bears his soul. Oh, I know you think I'm lying, but I'm really not. And... Uh, he looks at her with loving eyes and she bursts into tears <laughs> and hugs. And uh, so he's like, tell me, you forgive me. And they kiss. But then she demands honesty and says, look, I need to know if you want to see other people besides me. And he's like, no, I don't want anybody else. Do you? She's like, no, and I don't want anyone but you. And they kiss once more. So uh, Todd, Liz and Cheryl see the reconciliation has taken place. Uh, <laughs> and Annie gives them a sort of a, a cheeky grin. So... Um, <laughs> Cheryl's polite, or sorry, Cheryl's happy, and uh, the uh, the others ask her about, you know, what what about her side of the bargain? Like, has she she's come along? What she think of PBA? And Cheryl says, well, you know, they're nice enough apart from Suzanne. Um, you know, Lila asked about New York and says, for what you guys told me about her, I wasn't expecting her to take an interest. <laughs> Elizabeth thinks she probably just wants to get to know you about your father, but she doesn't say it. Like, why aren't you just warning her against these people? But <laughs> Um, Cheryl's still not sure and she actually wanted to talk to Mona about it earlier to see what she thought about the sorority I mean maybe she'd tell you all about the cheerleaders but um, she didn't get a chance to talk because uh, Mona wasn't feeling too well uh, mm. she she suddenly felt had a really bad stomachache so she had to lie down but she, she wants to talk to, to Cheryl tomorrow yeah. um, but before they can discuss this any further Lila has an announcement yeah, so she has after she's standing up and um, she's um, what is she doing? Yeah, she's getting everybody's attention. She's like, I hope you're all enjoying the the PPA swim party, and she thanks Suzanne for uh, for hosting it and providing us with all this delicious food. And there's all this applause, but like Liz and Jess and Cheryl all turn to Annie, uh, kind of like, what's that about? And Annie just kind of shakes her head. So everyone's a little bit puzzled by this because obviously it was Annie that made all the food. But um, yeah. yeah, so Lila continues about the the two perspective members, Stacey Cabot and Cheryl Thomas, and she's like, would you two please come up here? Uh, because uh, yeah she's like the current members have to get a chance to know the candidates so this week they'll be asked to perform their series of tasks and maybe then they'll be offered membership mm. uh, all going well so Suzanne kind of steps forward then and says oh we've brought you up here to give you the chance to make a few remarks if you like but obviously that you have to but uh, she yeah. kind of gets Stacy to go first and Stacy just kind of bangs on about how brilliant Suzanne is mm. um uh, what a pleasure it's been to talk to all the PBAs uh, that night. And I really look forward to getting to know you all. And I hope you consider me for membership. And Liz kind of realizes that by asking the two kind of nominees to get up there, Suzanne is basically just making them say nice things about PBA and about Suzanne because it's her party at her house. Yeah. Um. So when it's Cheryl's turn, then in fairness to her now, this is great. Cheryl gets up and she's like, you know, it was really nice meeting all of you. And I enjoyed the chance to go swimming. But she says, but I'm not sure that you all know that Annie Whitman made all this terrific food for the party. Uh And so she kind of makes a big deal of Annie, which is lovely. Like, but of course, Annie is kind of embarrassed because like Jessica starts a round of applause for her. Uh, So Suzanne is obviously really put out by that. Um, And then Cheryl, again, very diplomatically, she says, look, it was really nice to chat to all of you, but I've decided I'm going to withdraw my name. I just found I have a chance to work on a couple of very challenging music uh, projects. So I don't think I'll be able to devote enough time to PBA, but thank you. So like, Liz is very impressed by the speech too. She's like, she makes, she made it very clear. She does not want to join the sorority, but she said it in such a way that nobody, except maybe Suzanne could take offense, but that's because Suzanne would take offense to a black person being in her house, clearly. Well, um, true, yeah. 
so uh yeah so it was done very well in fairness to mm-hmm. Cheryl like she was very nice she wasn't being bitchy about anything even though she'd be well within her rights oh my God. um yeah so so it all as far as Liz is concerned that all went really well but then she sees Annie's face uh, and Annie apparently is scarlet and rigid with anger <gasps> Yes, she's enraged. And as soon as everybody just starts chatting among themselves, she rushes over to Cheryl and she's rigid with anger. She's like, how could you do this to me? Cheryl's like, I thought you knew I wasn't too thrilled with the idea of joining BBA. Like, you basically had to do, Annie, you had to do a deal with Cheryl to get her to come (laughs) to this fucking party. So why are you new? She had been warned by Rosa. So why are you so shocked? Mm. Um... So, but Annie's like, I was trying to do you a favour. I wanted to help you fit in. So I went up in front of all the pie beaches and told them I thought you'd be great. And I even gave in to Suzanne's black belt. Like, this is not Cheryl's fault. And Cheryl rightly says, maybe you should have asked me if I really wanted to join. I went along with being nominated and coming to this stupid party just so you wouldn't feel bad. But I didn't know that I owed you anything. And then Annie loses it and says you are grateful at all for anything I've done for you I took you all around with me anywhere for the last two weeks and I nominated you here and it was all for your benefit I certainly didn't want to you I didn't want to do all those things and then Cheryl God bless her gives a fantastic speech. She says, oh, that's it, Cheryl said, sounding angrier than any almost anybody Elizabeth had ever heard. I'm supposed to be grateful to you, am I? That's the way it always is. Black people are supposed to be grateful, grateful to white people for trying to turn them into white people too. We've got news for you, Annie. I'm black. I don't want to be a typical white California sorority cheerleader like you. And if you don't like it, too bad. And off she goes. And like, she's dead right, you know? Like... Annie didn't have to do any of these things like it was very clear from like the way Cheryl talked about everything that she had no interest in fucking PBA or being dragged along to all these mad activities like she doesn't like sports so just leave her off so like yeah like Cheryl was completely within her rights here in fairness and the thing is Cheryl was very explicit about saying Hmm. she didn't want to go so this wasn't even like she was giving mixed signals like no she said it again and again. Mm. Yeah, she's very dear. <laughs> so the next day, Stephen is back in the Wakefield house again and he <laughs> wakes up from a nap to hear swearing coming from the garden next door. Oh, I'm so- See, she swears as well. Come on. She really is the most relatable character. Um, so she's tried to use a lawnmower for the first time ever. And Stephen asks why, because she you know, said she'd mow the lawn for Walter, but she doesn't know how to make it go. And Suzanne, or Suzanne, Stephen asks why she didn't get Annie to show her and she's like uh, not really speaking she's mad at me because she, I didn't want to join Pi Beta Alpha and Stephen jokes I don't blame you Jessica's in it but then he realizes his joke you know isn't working she is really upset and he invites her over to talk about it and she reveals all but she blames herself too much like she says like you know she's taking me somewhere new every day we've got to every teen hangout in town mm. we've been to the mall three times I've played frisbee we've got to go swimming I went to cheerleading practice I appreciate <laughs> it but I'm just not into this sort of thing I like doing stuff on my own I'd rather stay home with my music or a good book and Stephen says well fair enough what did she say when you told her that but Cheryl reveals she never actually did say she didn't enjoy doing those things because she didn't want to hurt her feelings and um Cheryl says well yeah but like, I'm not really good at hiding my real feelings you know when every all my friends and my dad know that they they I guess I forgot somebody wouldn't be able to decipher my signals I guess in this case this is true like the PBA hmm. stuff she was very explicit about it but maybe yeah. in this case like she was like okay I guess I'll go to the mall but yeah I, I think she Annie was... should have picked up on it 
I mean, yeah, there was a certain, there's a, there was a very, a definite fact that Annie was not reading the room on more than one occasion too. But so maybe, maybe Cheryl in certain circumstances could have been clearer, but like, yeah, Annie was like, they are both at fault, but it still feels like it's more Annie than Cheryl. Yeah. In fairness. And Stephen says, well, yeah, maybe, you know, she couldn't, she couldn't tell which signals were, were the real ones, the sort of the, when you were trying to act like you were happy with it or whether your real feelings were coming true, coming through. And Cheryl's like, well, I don't think this is my fault. She could have been straighter, straighter with me too. And Stephen's like, well, yeah, no, that's fair enough. And Cheryl said, look, this all started as a miss, you know, crosswords now it's just got nasty hmm. and she tells him what happened at the party and how Annie let her be blackmailed by Suzanne and now you know thinks maybe I should have told her privately that the you know, I wasn't going to take up the offer rather than making yeah. an announcement but I mean she was sort of put on the spot and made to give a speech so like true. she decided like ding 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 everybody <laughs> I've got to tell you <laughs> Very true. She wasn't looking for people's attention to to do this. Like as you say, she was like dragged up there and told to fucking address the crowd. So like she, you know, it's fair enough that she was just like, yeah, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I'm out. See you, lads. Yeah. In a very nice way, but yeah. yeah so I guess that's that's it's, fair. That, it's an awkward. I mean, that's just a sort of a. Mm. She was put in a spot, but sure. and she points out Annie also expected her to be grateful for all her misguided efforts at trying to help me fit in, and she thinks that just set me off. I guess I was feeling so out of place, being the only black person at most of these things that Annie and I went to, that I took it out on her. And she said she knows that Annie meant well, but again, like you know, meaning well only goes so far. Uh, yeah. when you upset somebody and Stephen's like oh you know sounds like you're just misunderstanding each other all the time and Cheryl says oh I wonder if it's too late if we're too different to ever become friends and Stephen's like I know two people who seem very different but they're as close as can be because <laughs> god forbid we don't think about Jess and Liz for a couple of pages <laughs> So yeah, he's like, oh, you know, they're so different, but they manage to be friends and they do so by being honest with each other and acknowledging their differences and helping each other understand why one likes cheerleading and the other likes to write for the paper. So like basically his advice is just talk to her, which is what everybody's advice always is at this stage in these books. Um, So Cheryl realizes, yeah, look, I have to talk to Annie properly and not just about, you know, my being black and her being white, but about what I like to do and why and who I am. And just to get her to understand that like she just doesn't like big group activities. That's just not her kind of thing. And sports. Um, and sports yeah and Stephen's like yeah look I can't guarantee it'll work but generally it does uh, and you've got to remember all the things you have in common too and Cheryl's like yeah like dad and Mona um so yeah so she's kind of like yeah okay I, I will talk to her and kind of feels a bit better having chatted to Stephen because mm-hmm. they are kind of pals now I guess over that, yes. that garden fence yeah she tells him that not only do you know lawnmowers Stephen you know people pretty well too but as my notes say don't encourage him <laughs> He knows 16-year-old girls all too well. <laughs> Get a girlfriend your own age, Stephen. Well, in the kitchen, Annie is relieving stress by making bread. And she keeps thinking about the party. And she realizes she should have paid attention to her when she clearly didn't mm. seem anxious to do those things with me. And I should definitely listen, she thought herself. Uh, I should definitely have listened when she told me she didn't think she wanted to join Pi BA. And she does some soul searching and she she tries to decide if what Cheryl had said was true and she'd been trying to sort of turn Cheryl into quote a white person and deep down she doesn't think that she meant to do that but she also realises she didn't really understand what it was like to be black especially black in a town like Sweet Valley and she says I never just talked to Cheryl about that I just tried to pretend it didn't matter at all I didn't think about the racism she might feel in lots of subtle and not so subtle ways 
So uh, she wishes she could talk openly about this, but then she gets a phone call from the caterers who are doing the wedding, and it's not the sort of news you'd expect from a caterer. It sure isn't. I was very puzzled by this, but yeah. So they revealed that uh, Mona, so like Annie's mother, uh, was in there with them that morning to talk about uh, the the wedding. Um, but while she was in their shop, she suddenly collapsed. Uh, so she's been taken to the hospital in an ambulance. So Annie's like, "Oh my God, what's going on? Like, is she okay?" But of course, the caterer doesn't know because she's just told her that she's yeah. been taken away in an ambulance. That's all the information she has. So, um, so Annie is like, "Oh God, okay." So the car, I think, is gone. Her mom has. Yeah, her mom had the car. Her mom had the car. That was it. Yeah. So she has to get a cab. So she kind of writes a note uh, to leave for Walter and then runs out to look for Cheryl. Uh, So she kind of runs out into the garden and finds Cheryl chatting to Stephen out the back. So she kind of she runs over and she's like, Cheryl, we have to go right now. She's like, mom is after collapsing uh, at the caterers. They've taken her away in an ambulance and I just got a call. So, of course, Cheryl is like, whoa, what? Is she okay? What's happening? But like they don't know anything. All they know is that she's in the hospital and that they need to get there. So Stephen's like, look, I'll drive you. It'll be faster than a cab. So he speeds down Caligo Drive uh, (gasps) and they uh, they get to the hospital. Uh, But of course, like all the kind of, I guess, kind of awkwardness between the two of them is forgotten at this stage because yeah. the stakes are suddenly much higher so they kind of they're hugging like, com- she's, they're hugging Cheryl's comforting Annie she's like look don't worry it's going to be okay so um so yeah all that is put aside for the moment and uh it's just get to the hospital and see what's happening is yeah. more the, the thing the thing to do right now at this second so they get to the hospital and they meet uh, Dr. Nunez, who uh, has good news. He says, you're Mrs. Whitman's children. Uh, and he looks at both of them and Cheryl says, yes, that's rather sweet. Um, so yeah. um, the doctor says, basically, the doctor shakes shakes her head and says, whatever. <laughs> Very weird reaction. Nunez <laughs> needs to work on her bedside matter but um, basically Mona's appendix, appendix burst or sorry almost yeah. burst um, yes. she had a huge appendicitis and they were able to fix it they had a quick operation and she's probably out of this um, surgery now and uh, she's grand basically so that's that from the doctor so of course Annie is really relieved and she says to Cheryl um, you know all the way here you kept saying mom was going to be fine how did you know I was sure she was dead and Cheryl says she and dad have such a oh well she and dad have such a good thing going I didn't think it was time for it to end yet and uh, they both have tears in their eyes and Cheryl says you know I can't thank you enough you're or sorry Annie says you're I can't thank you enough you're really there for me when I needed someone to lean on I know it's not enough but I'm so sorry about last night it was totally my fault I just didn't listen to you and uh, Cheryl apologizes and says that she wasn't honest with her about a lot of things, but she wants that to change. She wants them to be friends for real. And they decide uh, from now on, they'll listen to each other and tell each other the truth. And an impish look crosses <laughs> Cheryl's face. Yeah, she says, you know, as long as we're being honest, I really hate my room. Do you want to switch? And Annie like laughs out loud and she's like, you got it. So that's that's solved, at least anyway. Yeah. Um, so then at that point, I think Walter kind of races in, obviously looking like, the world's about to end I think is how they say it yeah Uh, so they they rush over to him and they're like look she's going to be fine she had appendicitis but they caught it in time Uh, she's already out of surgery and she'll be awake in a few hours so she'll be grand she'll be able to come home in a couple of days so poor Mr Thomas of course like collapses into a chair he can't even talk Um, because I suppose when they had sent a message to him they didn't know anything either so like it could have been way more dramatic than that but everything's okay so and the two of them have made up as well and they're both real giggly and silly kind of because they're just so relieved about everything but yeah um, but yeah everything's good now between between Cheryl and Annie which is lovely and her mom is going to be okay and everything's going to be fine 
Hooray! Mm-hmm. So we cut to a week later and um, Mona is home from hospital. She's taking it easy and Addie and Cheryl have invited Robin over for a special dinner of vegetarian couscous. <laughs> so uh, Robin's delighted that they're working everything out and apparently they've been spending a lot of time over the together over the last week and uh, you know they're really getting along well, which is nice. Yeah. So Cheryl heads off for a driving lesson with Stephen. They're going to drive up the coast and get some food. And when she goes, uh, Robin asks, what's going on between those two? Yeah, she reckons the drive up the coast sounds pretty romantic to her. <laughs> and that's the end of Stepsisters. My can goodness. you read us out, please? That. I sure can. Will Cheryl and Stephen's friendship develop into something more serious? Find out in Sweet Valley High number 94. Are we in love? <gasps> Now, I'm, I mean, I guess I'm glad that we're going out with the, the normal, the reign of normal books will end with a title with a question mark because we like some <laughs> punctuation. We do. We always enjoy title punctuation. It's always good fun. <laughs> well, that was Stepsisters. Do we have any stats and outfits? We do indeed. So now it wasn't a Wakefield centric book. So the, the stats mm. aren't as strong as they normally are. But mm. the blondness still managed to get three mentions, which I thought was oh, pretty wow. good all the same. The blue, the blue green eyes only got one, though, because again, they didn't yeah. even get a B plot. So they were lucky they got mentioned at all, those blue green eyes. <laughs> um, in terms of outfits, uh, we had... Uh, Walter turning up in the airport yeah. uh, looking all handsome uh, so apparently he was wearing a faded Columbia t-shirt khaki trousers and beat up sneakers which does sound like quite a, a nice chill kind of outfit I like it yeah. yeah me too nice and casual um, there's a point where Lila is uh, talking about something she's toying with her golden sapphire earrings as she's <laughs> she's talking because goddamn Lila she's just the best Uh then Cheryl at one point is wearing khaki shorts and knit tank top and high top sneakers. Uh, I think I only marked that one really for the high top sneakers because that is just delightfully 90s. Yes. Um, and uh, <laughs> and then we had Jessica's excellent outfit quite early oh on in the God. book, uh, which was so good. So she she puts on a scoop necked deep purple T-shirt and white shorts. She then adds a multicolored woven belt and a pair of amethyst earrings that Sam had gotten her a few weeks earlier. And like, oh. I just, I love, it's the woven belt for me. You yeah. know, you yes. The addition of the woven belt is the cherry on top of, of all of that. And I was a big fan of that outfit, I must say. <laughs> Great work by Jess there. Oh, I mean, that makes up for the lack of outfits elsewhere. Hmm, definitely. It was a good one. Uh, so was that it for stats that and outfits? Was, that, was, that was it for the outfits and the stats, yeah. I kept Jessica's <gasps> one to the end because it was the oh. first outfit in the book, but it was also the best one. <laughs> it is truly magnificent. Uh, so listeners, what did uh, what did you think of Stepsisters? Um, uh, apologies for any cluelessness on our on our part. Um, have any of you had a Cheryl-like experiences uh, for, on any level? Um, uh, I mean, the the... I think most of us can relate to her. In fact, all of us can relate to her shock at Sweet Valley being real. Because uh, it's just <laughs> very fair. Like, yeah. I like the fact that even to her, it's like something out of Gidget. So it's, <laughs> it is, uh, it's quite appealing. So uh, she's a she's a good addition to, to the Sweet mm. Valley world. You know, I can't Definitely. remember if she gets much to do in the in the future after these two books when we go into the sort of the crazy town years but uh, God. Uh, <laughs> maybe she's off working on you know cool musical stuff with the droids hmm. and patty and uh, staying out of the sweet valley 
nonsensical antics. Yes, um, indeed. But let us know what you thought. We always love hearing from you. We uh, are, of course, on Twitter at SVH Podcast. Yeah, you can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And we are on Instagram at SVH Podcast, where many of you had uh, had had strong thoughts. Um, yeah, Claire PH uh, thought that pointed out that this book came out just a year before the show, so it seems right that the last couple of books have inspired episodes of the TV show. And points out that this one with the Winston Lila sexual tension, I knew it wasn't just me noticed it. The weird <laughs> weird sisters, Lila's power shopping comment, and Jessica as Lady Macbeth all felt a lot. Lot closer, a lot more like the show than a lot of the books have. That is true. Mm. Yeah, that was a really good point, actually, because it's it's funny. It is the later books that they've definitely pulled stuff from mm. for the um for the TV show. So yeah, that that definitely tees up. Well, Meg Lachat uh, points out it's like a Tamar High School version of Single White Female, which came out <laughs> the year before this book. Now we know that once uh, once Paula started wearing a white blouse, she was or a silk blouse, she was um she was doing a bit of an old single white female on Jessica, her <laughs> trademark look. Definitely. <laughs> Felicity Valentine reminded us of the potential real life source of Liz's frumpy Victorian ghost nightgown. Jessica McClintock yeah. for gun sex. Yeah, now it was pronounced gunny sax. I know it's, it ends Ooh. in an E, but that was because it was meant to be like a pun on, or like of like a gunny sack is like a thing, oh, like a burlap like, sack kind of. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, I remember somebody explaining that to us before because I totally would have read it as gun sax as well, but it actually was <laughs> meant to be like wordplay, but just completely lost on us. Um, yeah, so she says that she found a pile of those dresses at a thrift shop in the late 90s, gleefully wore them to school every day, looking like the cast of The Little House on the Prairie threw up on an Edwardian nightgown. It was <laughs> awesome. It sounds awesome, so good for you. <laughs> it does. Hello, Ali said... Two weeks, guys. I don't know why I was so I'm so fixated on this, but according to Jess, SVH managed to put on a full length Shakespearean play with elaborate light cues and costumes in two goddamn weeks. I did a few plays in high school, including a modernized musical version of Romeo and Juliet. Oh yes, I presume that wasn't just West Side Story. Hello, Ali. Um, and uh, she says they all took a full term of rehearsals at least. Obviously, the twins are demigods, and time has no meaning in Sweet Valley. We're fourteen days from castless to opening night, bro me entirely um i mean i don't blame you it is deranged yeah, that's fair when you think about it that does sound very stressful in fairness yeah <laughs> oh my god uh now uh photog shan 20 said it makes me sad that this isn't just one of the last normal covers but one of the last normal books i will miss school plays and cheer dramas and fighting over boys i will miss the lightness and fluff of the books i'm not really excited about courtroom drama or killer babysitters or werewolves <laughs> now i mean i sympathize but i am excited about all these things <laughs> but uh i don't think uh photog shan has to worry too much does she Oh no, not at all. Like we we are excited about all the ridiculousness that's to come, but like that is definitely interspersed with more regular SVH programming, to be fair. Like there is uh there is that whole mini series that's literally the pom-pom war. It's, it's like yes. it's a whole cheer camp saga basically that goes for three books where it's just like warring cheer squads, which yeah. I'm also really excited about, I have to say. Like there's I think there's a there's a, a trilogy where the twins go off and be interns at a fashion magazine. Yes, a whole... It's called Flare, if I remember yeah, right. There's 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 a book called Lila's New Flame and there's three kind of like fire themed books. There might be a big fire <laughs> in one of them, but like it's mostly about Lila 
taking up with some guy that nobody knows. <laughs> like there is still plenty of like more regular Sweet Valley silliness mm-hmm. mixed in with all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it is it is just if, if anything, that probably just makes all the werewolfy vampire stuff even more ridiculous because it's like, no, no, it's business as usual. But also here's a serial killer for no reason. <laughs> so there will be I think I think it will be a nice mix of completely batshit nonsense mm. and then the more regular, like more low stakes kind of. Yeah high school drama which is always still fun as well so it should yes. be a good mix i think of of <laughs> top campery <laughs> and uh, and more regular sweet valley business so i wouldn't be too worried about that <laughs> well maria teresa biblioteca who also sent us a photo of her in the biblioteca the which biblioteca. was a delightful surprise <laughs> it was so good <laughs> um she said y'all i cannot believe that you're only just now reading the vampire books those are a wild ride there are sections that are just straight up vampire erotica and also edith goes goth iconic i mean there are i'm not she's not wrong like that is not an exaggeration there are bits that are just vampire soft i mean it's a quite soft core it's it doesn't go quite that far but it goes way further than you would think there's a lot of people being caught up on waves and waves of climaxing ecstasy that uh you're just wondering where these vampires hands are but that's all i'll say um (laughs) But uh, Maria Teresa also says we'll you know leave the vampire erotica for now and gothy that you've just all got that to look forward to. She says we will never see or hear from Paula Perrine again. Presumably she transferred to another high school just in time to single white female array into the lead role of a school play that is being directed by a big shot for literally no reason. Um, so uh, she's also plotted out on a calendar when we're going to get to the jungle prom Margot Madness era. Oh, it's coming soon. <laughs> just say there's going to be a Christmas treat. There you go. All. Yes, we we have we have a plan in mind, so don't you worry. <laughs> um, and a shout out to Megan Morris who said she she enjoyed the poor little me creepy stalker <laughs> for the voice. Said she had her cackling away in oncology waiting rooms where people do not expect usually expect to hear laughter, but I think they all appreciate it as well. I'm very very glad that you got some cheer uh, in a in a place that probably isn't usually full mm. of laughs. So uh, we're we're thinking of you, Megan. And um, on a much lighter note, Justifying Saucer said, Paula's. I've won and that's all that matters. It's giving me real Father Finton stack vibes from Father Ted. <laughs> Fully agree on that one, actually. That was on the nose. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Maisie the Bell had a huge shock about uh, Prince Albert. Yeah, uh, she says so she apparently conflated him with the Hershey bar because uh, she was so convinced he was a chocolate lab. She had to Google it and was completely shocked by the fact that he is, in fact, a golden retriever. Uh, and uh, I think it was Claire PH time then to say blondes only in the casa. Amazing said, I hope Prince Albert also has a tanned body. <laughs> Poor old Prince Albert. <laughs> Speaking of that, Ruth K83 made me laugh out loud uh, when she said, the Wakefield's creepy sibling energy always feels like they're one playful punch from flowers in the split level ranch house attic. <laughs> oh Christ. <laughs> I mean, troubling, but true. Oh boy. Um, Yes, so uh, it was uh, it was it was a lot of thoughts, unsurprisingly, about um, about she's not what she seems. But uh, yes, um, the I think the most common response was people just not thinking that whoever thinking that whoever wrote it has never been in a play. 
um, because the two weeks and doing your own blocking and uh, uh, the other girl on Twitter said, speaking as a former first witch, I call shenanigans. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) So, uh, so yes, it's, um, it's, I, I, don't know why we expect any sort of realism from Sweet Valley, but it still does niggle sometimes away at you when you're like, why are they saying, like, why, why, why are they going, why can't they at least get the, like, schedule of the school play properly? So, um, thank you to everybody for letting us know your thoughts and do let us know your thoughts on, uh, on Stepsisters and on the forthcoming change of tone, which we're, hmm. yeah, we've only got a month, like in a month, we'll be yeah, Lord it's coming. Right in there. It's happening. So uh, we will see our Pi Beta Alpha sisters in the clubhouse next week because, as you know, we are. Um, you could join our sorority by signing up to Headstuff Plus, and it's not expensive. Yeah, for that's right. Yeah, for as little as five euros a month, if you head over to headstuffpodcast.com, you can sign up uh, to support the show. And when you do that, you get access to all our bonus content. And I'm sure you're all aware by now uh, that it's us recapping the Sweet Valley High TV series uh, episode by episode. So that comes out in the weeks between regular Double Love episodes. So by doing that, you get some Sweet Valley nonsense every single week. Yes, and we are having a whale of a time over there. So uh, do do join us in the Pi Beta Alpha Clubhouse, um, which I, I think this episode is another reminder that our sorority is way less toxic than the real thing. So <laughs> Oh, definitely. <laughs> we will see our sisters there next week. Um, but we will see everybody in the main feed in two weeks' time for the very last in the mm-hmm. old school circle cover book when we find out what happens when Stephen and Cheryl ask are we in love? (gasps) See you then everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at woodhousebuickgmc.com. We are professional grade.